Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This week, I've got an old friend, Jordan Etheridge, who went to uh, ministry school with me almost a decade ago. And so we have a great time catching up and we hear all about his journey through deconstruction. How you doing, man? Um, I'm okay. Yeah? I'm in the, I'm in the midst of things. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it's, it's a constant... Uh upheaval i would say in my life for the past three years <laughs> it's not slowing down but it's yeah. really good like that's i mean I, I can get into it i don't want to give me it right the second but it's it is the hardest most yeah. difficult time of my life but i know that it's so good at the same time you know and yeah i wouldn't change it but it's yeah it's like you take 35 years of conditioning and mm -hmm. all that and trying to uproot that and get it out, man. I mean, it's a testament to how our, our bodies and brains are designed to work that these things work so well that it's just, there's so much background programs running and, and, and things that mm -hmm. are happening below the surface that it's just like, you gotta be really conscious and be like, okay, what is this? Where is this? How do I, how do I get this out of here? Anyway, that's <laughs> that's the short version of like I am I feel terrible, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, it's not it's not even about how do I stop feeling terrible. It's just like how do I change my whole worldview that has said feeling terrible mm -hmm. is something I should be avoiding the whole time as well. Right. Um, exactly. Actually realizing oh this can actually be a healthy good process. Right, um, which is my my upper my upbringing in the charismatic church. Oh, of course, right? Don't feel bad. If you're sad, there's something wrong with you. You've got to be positive. You've got to be upbeat. You've got to, you know, you've got to pray yeah. that sadness away, pray that depression away, pray <laughs> that sickness away. You know, you, someone you love dies. Well, you know, you just pray and you'll feel better and God will restore you from your grief. Like, uh, and it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily bad either, some of that. You know, like right. there's, there's definitely paths to finding freedom that can look mm -hmm. like that. Um, but it, as a one fit all kind of thing, it's a bit toxic, isn't it? Right. So, yeah. yeah. One size is de does definitely not fit all, which yeah. is I'm learning. So, yeah. yeah. Dude, when did you, when did you leave Bethel? That was like ages ago, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to think. 2012. You, it was the same year as you, I think. Cause you right. did four years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you did your third year and then left the same year. Yeah. I can't even remember that though. Do you know what I mean? People are like, when did you leave Bethel? I was like, I don't know, like a decade ago. Like, I mean, that's yeah. so long ago. I'm like, I just some time before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's such in a, a, in a weird, past life. Yeah. Do do you? How do you? How do you look back on that time? It was a good time. Like, yeah. I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of people. Obviously, yourself. I am. I'm where I am in the world because of that. I, you know, yeah. met some, like Denise and Caitlin and Connor. And mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any, I didn't know what to do after I went back to New Brunswick, which is where I'm from. Yeah. And, um, I didn't know what to do and there was nothing happening there. And Denise was like, you should just move out here. And it's like, okay, I'll come out and hang out. And I didn't know if it was going to be like a year or whatever, but it was good to have like a place to, I guess, transition into the real world where, yeah. you know, there was a good community support system because that year was really bad for me 
<laughs> yeah. coming out of, coming out of that environment and I also like broke up with my girlfriend at the same time who I was dating there and it was just really really bad yeah. really hard I shouldn't say bad it was really hard <laughs> yeah. um, were, was there face stuff going on at that point you were already starting to um you know it's not not exactly but I look back on my life and I think when I was like 21 so I'm 35 now. So like before, way before I ever went to Bethel, it was actually shortly, I actually went to, I went to Mozambique in 2005 when I was 20 years right, old wow. with Heidi Baker. And that was where I, I mean, I met, I didn't meet Bill Johnson, but Bill Johnson came and spoke when I was there. Um, like so many people that, um, that I met there at, ended up going to Bethel afterwards, like immediately. Wow. Uh, I didn't, and I didn't. That's a good message Bill gave then. Yeah. <laughs> like, see you, like, I'm going to Bethel. Yeah. So, um, but around shortly after that was when um, the book Velvet Elvis came out. Yeah. I was just saying, it was kind of. Rob Bell, was, man. I was thinking about this in the share today. I was like, you know what? I, I watched Rob <laughs> Bell like Numis and stuff when I was in youth group and we, we showed it to our youth group, like a lot of those videos. But I was like, I totally forgot he existed until I remember crammed into like your living room one day. My I living remember room? One night. I think it was your living room. Maybe it was somewhere else, but I, I can't remember what year it was or when, but like we were all crammed in and you were like, dude, we've got to watch this. It's like a rubber. And I can't remember if it was, I think it was maybe drops like stars or maybe it was the first everything is spiritual. everything is spiritual. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, oh yeah, Jordan like kind of reignited my love for Rob Bell because I he had dropped off the nice the whole thing. Um, that's so funny. And so yeah, that's really cool. Sorry. Yeah, well, I know that's fine. I was I was 21 and it was like it was kind of this thing where I had like in the same way that I was at Bethel and then I left and it was like really difficult. I was in Africa and I was like, I watched blind people get healed and deaf people be healed. You yeah. know, and like all of that, that, you know, it's just it's, all of that incredible. stuff is awesome. And I came home and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what am I even doing? Yeah. Like, what does my life even mean anymore? I like don't know what to do. And I was like, it was the same kind of thing. I was like, I got depressed and mm. I had no, I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. And so um, I moved to a new city. I had some friends who planted a church. I was like, I'm just going to hang out with these guys because I know them and I love them. And around that time that um, that book came out and I was like, this, it spoke to me <sighs> like nothing else could. It's like, I can be a, I can be a, a quote unquote Christian and not be an asshole. Essentially, it was like, because I was at the same time, I was like, there's all this, all these things, like all these things that I'm working through and we're in regards. And it wasn't like... I wasn't questioning a lot of like, I don't know, core tenets of the faith, I guess I would say. Yeah. But it was like, there was a lot of like bigotry and just religion. And I, I had always really struggled with that stuff. It didn't make sense to me. I'm like, why can't we just love everybody? Like, what is wrong? Why can't we just, mm. everyone love everybody and be happy and get along. And, and then I remember so specifically, like Rob talking about in that book about a trampoline. Do you remember this? I can't remember that book. It's so long ago, man. I haven't read My it. My memory years. is terrible. I might re I gotta, re reread I could, it. Yeah, I got to pick it up again. His new book, did you hear his, everything is spiritual is coming out as a book? I'm getting an advanced copy. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm really excited. I don't know. It feels to me like, I don't know if he would say this, but like it feels like the culmination of all his mm -hmm. work. 
Yeah. It's like, but I don't know. That's what it seems like. But so he talked about beliefs and how a lot of Christians would build a brick wall of beliefs. And each belief is like a brick, essentially. It's like, if you pull out this belief, then the structural integrity of things compromised, it will fall apart. And he's like, I like to think of it as a trampoline. You have all these springs on the right. outside of the trampoline. And like, you take one out and you can still, you can still bounce. It's not, excuse me, it's not compromised. And I was like, yes, I can actually be a Christian and follow Jesus without believing some of these really stupid things that I just mm. really don't think matter. And so th- I will honestly point back to that and say like, that was the beginning of my deconstruction. Wow. Yeah. Um, Cause it was, it was so, so different than what I had known up to that point. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I've been, obviously I've been a fan of Rob Epic since I remember we were, we were at Bethel when love wins came out and there yeah, was like the, the, up, the uproar and Dude, I read it so and I was funny. like, what is, what is the problem? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, that, that book did not say anything particularly controversial. When I think of some of the conversations we were having, like just as students amongst each other and just different mm-hmm. people I was talking to, I'm like, dude, this book is not like controversial in the grand scheme of things. Like the conversations people are having say way more controversial things. Yeah. Like, oh, what is it to be saved? Or what is this? Or, yeah. Um, yeah, man, that was such a, I remember you going, you went down south and pre- like you went to like, is it Sacramento or something? You prayed for Rob? I, I vaguely remember this. <laughs> I went with to San Francisco it was the Drops Like Stars tour. Okay, yeah. I went with David Staley uh, and Amelia Fuller. Okay. Remember those guys? Yeah, yeah. And we were just like, we got tickets. We are like, we're going to go. And it was at this theater in San Francisco. And um, it was great. And I remember we were watching it. And like partway through or before he said, like, he's, he's got like, I don't know, he had like strep throat or something. Right. And he was like really, really sick. And we were all like, we were like, we want to pray for him. Um, obviously, you know, being in that environment, it's like, pray for healing. That's the, that's the thing. So we did, there was like a meeting, a meet and greet thing. So we got in this line and then we pray for him. The the best, the best part of it though, like for me, at least this is totally vain. Um, I had this jacket that I used to wear and I wore it like every day. It was this like thrifted, like utility, like green, like it was like thick canvas material. And it was just like, I just was my jacket. I wore it every day. And we were like, Williams was like, it was our turn and we were walking up and Rob just like, hold on, hold on. He'd be like, tell me about this jacket. And he was like, he just, so he Rob as well. <laughs> I know, tell right? Tell me about this jacket. He just, uh, yeah. So it was like, for me, it was like, that was such a highlight of. Dude, you got like so, a full so, blown like fashion cred right there. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it's, it was just so funny and, and obviously played to my ego uh. quite a bit. Which yeah, of great. course. But then Wonderful. we talked to him and, and prayed for him. And, he, and after we prayed for him, he's like, I should bring you guys on tour with me. And, you know, it was like, <laughs> obviously really silly, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was that I got to meet him and like, he's one of my heroes to this day. And yeah, I would not be where I am without him mm. at all. I mean, yeah. I, I listen to his podcast continually and a lot of the stuff he's saying right now is him and his wife talking about, I don't know if you listen I don't, I, I wish I did. Every time I do listen to something, I'm like, oh my God, this is just, it's water for my soul. But mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't get time to listen to podcasts very often. And when I do, I tend to avoid spiritual ones because I feel like it just messes with my mojo of what I'm trying to work on. And I end right. up getting distracted by someone else's thought or idea. So I tend to watch some sort of like ridiculous, I 
just listening to a podcast with like a quantum physicist because I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But Sweet. I don't know what it's got to do with like, uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. His wife, him and his wife were talking about just like what it's like to be in this world. And his wife talks a lot about like anxiety. And mm. uh, like that really speaks to me. That's something that I have learned uh, that I struggle with a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're just like, there's just such, there's something about them that just resonates so much with me. And, uh, yeah, they're just great people. I listen. I, I don't have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. I mm. usually do when I'm in the car or now when I'm waiting in line at Costco, because you have to okay. line up outside Costco to get of inside. Yep. Um, social distancing, which Dude, pandemic's been great for podcast hours. <laughs> it's true. Um, and I'm delivering ice cream now. So uh. I'm driving around the city and put podcasts on. So I listen to, I listen to those guys. I don't listen to a lot. I listen to them. I listen to, have you heard of the dirty rotten church kids? I've, I've heard of them. Yeah. I've not, I've not listened to any of their stuff. They're but great. I follow them on Instagram. So just a couple of guys in Florida. Um, and they're like, you know, in the same kind of boat and they have, sure. they do, they talk about things themselves. They interview other people and it's fairly new. They like just started in the fall, I think. Okay. Yeah. But they're like, they're very, they're kind of like, they're super serious about this whole process, but they're like super sarcastic and hilarious. And I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's right. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Um, listen to any other podcasts? Um, I listen to Pete Holmes actually a lot. Have you? Dude, do you know I Pete love Holmes? his podcast. Yeah, because he he strikes the balance where I listen to his on and off, where I'm just like, it's all very. Um, it's fascinating because it's comedy. It's like interesting celebrity people. Like, I mean, I've not heard of most of them because I'm not very cool and into pop culture. But uh, but what I love about it is it is deeply very spiritual. Like he he is so intent on like going like, yeah, but let's get to the depth of that. Right. Why does that humor work? What mm-hmm. do you think about life, about everything? Um, and so I really like those kind of conversations. And I just think he's, he's one of the most like upbeat, amazing people ever, right? He is so high just, energy. I'm just dude. like... He's like Debbie, a dog, honestly. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's everything I want in a dog, but he's also everything I fear in a dog. I, I fear that if he was like my best friend or something, I'd be exhausted. And right. that's why I don't have a dog as well. Cause I'm like, I love the idea of a dog and mm-hmm. having a dog there, it's always upbeat. It's always there for you. It's really supportive. It's, it's always happy to see you, but also it's constant, right? So when you want some space, it's still like, hi, hi, how are you? Hi, right. I exist. Could let's, let's go for a walk. Hey, I haven't been fed. Hey, why don't you pet my head? And I'm like, I can imagine like someone like Pete being that high energy. I'm like, oh man, that would exhaust me as an introvert. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I'm I, the same. Have you seen his special on HBO? The the show, ca- uh, not special. Crashing yeah. his his show. Yeah, crashing. I haven't Dude. watched it yet. It's on it's my list. Good. It's really yeah. good. You should watch. I've it. heard. I've heard great things. Yeah. I uh, I have zero time to watch TV. Okay. I, have, I run a business and I have two small children. So that's it. That's the end. It's- <laughs> You'll catch it in like 2030. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, we we make time here and there, that's but. Funny. There are kids are just at the age where they need all the attention in the world yeah. and we're happy to give it to them, yeah. obviously. But yeah, it's an adjustment. But his did you read his book, Comedy Sex God? Yeah, it's amazing. Really so good. I listened good. to an audiobook. So I got yeah. the book and then um I had a Kindle uh, uh, an audible to burn. So I was like, I'm gonna get I wanna listen to Pete Holmes read this yeah, story to me. I started reading be- it and I was like, I wanna listen to him. It was so good. Um another one that came out exactly the same time was um Gunger's book. Have you read this? No, what's it called? 
really recommend. It's called This. Just Oh, This. That's it. It's really confusing. Makes for amazing conversations. Have you read this? What? This. <laughs> you know. um, this is my favorite book this week. You know? Who's what, on what? first? Um, yeah, it's this dude wears my uh, car kind of scenario. Like, what's nice. Yeah, um, I. Uh, it's good. I, really good. Sweet. I'll have to check that out. I, I'm always looking. I, I It's another thing I have is a long list of books that I yeah. want to read as well that I don't get to read very much. It's in the same remit as like um, Pete Holmes's, where it's it's a biographical book. So he explores different ideas and things, but it is just you kind of doing his story and listening to him tell his story, reading his story, um, which I love that. I love that kind of pacing. Yeah, yeah, I love I love biographies, obviously. Um, and especially Pete's, I was like, this is, this is me, right? Like this speaks so much to me, especially all the stuff about like porn and sexuality. I'm just yeah. like, this is my life. Like, uh-huh. and here's, I mean, it's like, you know, like everybody goes through very similar Literally things. every teenage boy is like, oh right. yeah, I've done this. If I've grown up in the church, right? Yeah. But I, yeah, I read that and I don't know what it was about it specifically. Um, but I felt, I felt so much freedom in, regards to sexuality after the fact mm. i guess like it was like nothing changed in like what i do or anything but it was like i felt like a shame lifted almost just from yeah. reading that book yeah I was like this is amazing he had an amazing podcast with um nadia boltz weber i don't know if you've listened to it but it's Who worth that that name sounds familiar. she's the um she is the pastor um she's like um what is she? Is she a Lutheran pastor? But she wrote a book called Shameless. And she is the person, I'll tell you what she's the person of. She's the person that got everyone who was like deconstructing, going through some sort of like deconversion, like separating some of their faith from where they're at and stuff to send in their purity rings. She melted them all down and made a oh, giant yeah. vagina, like yeah. a big vagina statue of like, let's yeah. actually start valuing sexuality rather than like shaming it. Um, right. And their, their podcast was so good because they're just so blunt and candid and talk about this. And you're like, huh, this is probably the conversation we should have been having in church rather than mm-hmm. the conversation we had over and over and over and over again. It just creates shame and guilt and anxiety. Yeah. And it just feeds our depression and our neuroses. And it's just, man, it's just a not healthy conversation. It is. Um, and yeah, it's just the narrative across so much of the church. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. Just Why do you think that is? I'm curious to hear oh. if you have thoughts. On... We can camp, we can camp here for a little bit Dude. because I really have a lot of things to say in this respect. Okay, well, why do you think it is? You got loads to say. Um, well, I don't. I don't know. Well, I think our our. I think a big thing that people don't understand in the Christian church, and I I don't. I'm just a. I'm just trying to figure this out. I don't claim to have any expertise or anything. I'm not. I'm not educated. Uh, I'm not an educated person. I like to read, but that's about it. So it's a good education for anybody, for anybody watching or listening. I hope this doesn't come off as arrogant or as I'm like, this is my, in my opinion, my hypotheses types of things. I really don't know. I'm just trying to figure things out for myself. Um, Cause I'm so used to just for the most part, listening, finding out what other people say and listening to mm-hmm. what they think, because that's yeah. what I was taught to do growing up most of my life. Um, I think our, our, our culture, our Christianity and our culture in the Western world are completely, and and they cannot be separated. Mm. Um, and 
I don't think a lot of Christians think that. I think they have this thing where they think, oh, we are the king. We're operating in the kingdom of heaven. We're a separate entity, but we are so influenced by the capitalist culture, consumerism. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, racism is a huge part of like North American, at least. I don't, I couldn't, I don't know exactly what things are like in the UK. Um, still I can say, I can say North American, but yeah, yeah, Canadian and the US, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. Um, we are slightly more progressive in those mm-hmm. terms. We have like a liberal, a liberal, a more liberal government, which I'm super thankful for. We have healthcare, super yeah. great bonus, especially uh, right now. Yeah. So, you know, there are definitely some better things, but there's also some really terrible things mm-hmm. as well uh, that I still uh, recognize. Anyway, our, the whole, the whole thing about like the church culture and this, you know, trying to be this other entity um it's it's not uh it's not reality in my opinion it's like obviously Mm. especially when you see when all the support for donald trump came out and it's like oh this is these people for me it was like especially seeing leaders who Mm -hmm. i really admired like be like yes he's the man like he's god's man for for our time i'm like for me it was like okay it's kind of eye-opening i was like these people are they're just people these yeah. leaders that I held in such high esteem, it's like they're just normal people, you know, and they're doing the best with what they have. Mm-hmm. And they are also susceptible to these types of things and like the culture and especially in North American culture that I've, specifically the, the American ideal of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you work really mm-hmm. hard, you can make it, you know, like that is, a, that is not a reality. That is not yeah. a real thing. Um, and so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of looking down upon people who feel like they can't do that, you know? Mm. Um, but it's just like, it, it's unfortunate because I, I'm in the, the most privileged demographic in the world. I am mm. a, a straight white man yep. and it's, I re- I'm, I've been working in my life to recognize how my privilege uh, affects me and affects the world around me and being like this is it's not fair like it's really not fair and I really sometimes I'm like I hate it and I want to try to upend it and do what I do what I can I'm like I don't know how to upend these these things mm. um, but I think anyway get back to what I was saying about the culture like the the way when Paul talked about like powers and principalities and these things he's like he's not talking about demons he's talking about these systems of corruption and that exist in the world and the way that the world is structured that benefit a few and, mm-hmm. and um, totally uh, oppress the rest. And like yeah. those things have always existed and they exist to this day. And like Absolutely. when Jesus came, he was, he came to upend the system. He came to show us what it looks like to live um, and to upend the religious system, the political system mm. and say, this is not the way the world should be structured. Yeah. And unfortunately we take a lot of his sayings and messages and life and be like, let's create, let me create this other thing, mm. which I mean, I just don't, I don't think Jesus was trying to start a religion. I really don't think that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. But, but again, like the, 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 the Christian church in the West does not see how much we are just like 
operating in a capitalistic way. You look at the churches, the way they're run, it's like a business, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, not that there's anything wrong with, I mean, I run a business, but it gets really tricky when you, when you don't actually maybe look inward and see like, what are some of these things that we're doing that maybe aren't so helpful? Yeah. You know, maybe some of the ways that we're operating and it's just like when you just keep going and being like, okay, business as usual, let's just keep doing the things that we've always done. Yeah. And for, for me, it's like, I think you have a good perspective and I'm, I'm wanting to really have that perspective as well. And, and to be honest, I struggle with it. Like if it works for people, that's great. Like if it does work, if it's the thing that works for you, that's awesome. It just doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> And yeah. it's scary to say that. It's scary to say that on a recording. I'll be, I'll be honest, because there are very few people who I've kind of shared these things with my life in my life. Because mm. um, I know that it will, I know it hurts. It will hurt people. It has hurt people that I've yeah. said. You know, we stopped going to church. Um, well, when we started the business three years ago, it just became like a whirlwind of like we're busy trying to figure this out, and then we had a baby the same year, and we're like. We're just busy. And yep. to be honest, uh, that separation is, is where this all started. Like the yeah. really intense part of my, my deconstruction because I was separated from the, the culture. I, was, I yeah. was out of it for a little bit, you know? And Do you think if you stayed in, it wouldn't have um, unraveled in the same way or at the same pace? I don't or think so. I don't, this is the thing. It's like, I don't mm. think so. I know we stepped to, I, sorry, I went on this away from like purity culture stuff. That's good. We're going into something really Which we can jump back into at some point, but um, yeah, it's so hard to say whether that would be the thing, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I feel like when you're constantly in this environment and you're constantly doing the things that you've always done, whatever your tradition structures, um, you don't think any differently. You don't yeah. need to think any differently. You just, everything, it, it works for you, you know? Yeah. And you have no need, if you don't have any need to question, then that's great. But you do live in a very small bubble that a lot of people in the world don't experience. Yeah, and they look on it and just go, that's weird. But you yeah. can't see the weirdness in a sense. Yeah. You know? so. Excuse me. Um, so stepping away from it, for me, what I've learned, I've, you know, I've been in therapy. I've been, that's also been a huge part of things. Uh, I've been, you know, reading some things uh, to, that have helped me to understand how stress and anxiety affects the body. And mm. what it, I'm learning, like, what is actually, I don't want to say wrong, but what is going on inside of me that I've been ignoring my whole life or trying to pray away because I've been told, like, you know, it's either... Uh, a spiritual problem you have a, de a demons are trying to attack mm -hmm. you or you know you have a um for me it was a, a chemical imbalance in your brain mm. which i've since learned is not even actually uh it's a theory yeah it's not yeah. actually even a real <laughs> a real good uh solid scientific thing which i should also say I am into some pretty weird shit at this point. So I don't, <laughs> not everything has to be super solid for me. Um, I'm like, if things work, they work. Yeah. Um, I've been doing some like energy healing. I don't know if mm -hmm. you are familiar with any okay. of that stuff. And it's like, this stuff works. Wow. It's super helpful. And understanding the world 
and I guess the natural world in terms of like energy and how energy is, is transferred. It's never destroyed. It's always, um, it's always moving. And I mean, mm-hmm. we are literally just made up of energy molecules moving mm-hmm. and am I, I'm again, I'm not a scientist, but some of the, just reading some things and learning some things, um, understanding how trauma is stored in the body. Yeah. Um, that's been a huge thing for me to, and, uh, and learning how to release that and recognizing like, Oh, all these things that I've struggled with my whole life are because of traumatic things that happened in my childhood where yeah. my, where my little brain wasn't able to comp- process it. So it gets tucked away as a safety measure to protect yeah. you. And I'm like, yeah. nobody, nobody told me this. Nobody knew this, you know? Yeah. Um, and so these things are coming, I think are becoming more prominent in our society um, mm. these understandings and there's like, so we're learning how to understand what, what a human is and how, how we operate and how things actually happen in our body. And for me, it was like, it was always this push away, you know, it's yeah. like, don't look at that. Don't talk about that. Don't think about that. It's darkness, the devil, whatever. It's really um, scary, right? Because it basically yeah. leaves um, a whole strata of society because no one's not affected by this to some degree or another, right? right? Of course, like some of us have a little less neurosis than the others. And some of us have a bit more depression and a bit more anxiety or a bit less. And, like we've all got our stuff and we've all got it to different degrees, but like the concepts that, that, if it isn't quote unquote biblical, if it isn't, uh, doesn't have the name Jesus in it somewhere, if it doesn't have like, you know, Bible verses, it's tagline, like you've got to be really careful. That's worldly. That's, you know, right. that could be the devil. It could be flesh. We, we just, you know, it's new age. flesh, it's new age. It's this. It's, and it, it, it holds so many people back from finding the healing they need by prescribing, um, what healing can look like I, it's right. one thing that i thought um bethel did quite well in some senses um i love paul Mamwaring's thing because he had been a nurse and so he comes into this mm-hmm. big healing location and it was like a really big thing like you get healed or whatever and he had cancer i think uh i can't remember what kind but he had cancer and he didn't get healed by people praying for him and he's like at bethel right and you're like well yeah. that's not ideal because like you know that'd be ideal for if our leaders were actually like walking the walk and getting healed the way they should but Mm -hmm. his whole thing was like no like another way god heals is that over (laughs) tens of thousands of years we he goes on a journey with humans and helps us grow in our intellect and our understanding of the human body and our our skills and our abilities and our you know fine motor uh, control and bit by bit by bit we get to the point where we can surgically cut the body and remove sickness and we can right. let the body heal and assist it in its healing and that is an amazing miracle and i love that in that area Bethel really grabs that kind of thing. And, and a lot of uh, churches are starting to move in a bit more of a way where they accept the medical community. Cause I know growing up, I remember my family um, were connected to these people that went off and went and joined this church movement where like, I think their kid died because this church yeah. movement required you to like throw your medicines away, not go to doctors because if you believe in healing, that's just a lack of faith. You know, you, right. you wear glasses, you should take them off and just live without them because God will heal you. And by using glasses, it's a lack of faith. And like, these people probably get hit by buses and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like at a certain point, it's like, well, we got to understand that some of this stuff, like what, what is God in? What is God not in? Um, for me, I'm starting to realize, well, God's in it all. 
Mm-hmm. And actually all of this can be a, a path of the spirit leading us into truth, how the spirit heals, you know, like you're talking about, um, you know, we're all uh, energy and we're all like constantly in, in ebb and flow. Well, like we know that the more we like dig into like the quantum, never mind like the actual like basic um, physical structure of our body based on physics of like atoms and electrons whizzing around everywhere. But you start digging into the quantum level and it's like, holy crap, what is even going on in our bodies? Like what? Yeah. What is all this stuff? Um, there's so, so like, much we don't know amazing I mean I was reading just uh, going back to the quantum mechanics thing mm-hmm. I was reading the other day like at, at, at such a subatomic level there's these particles that I mean ultimately are like building blocks of everything um, that only exist for 10 thousandth of a nanosecond yeah the rest of the time they just disappear and then they come back and you're like where the hell did that go because it's not anywhere we know of. And that's where you get people thinking, like, oh, maybe there's multiple world theory or like all the dimensions. Right. But it's like, but if you start building up on those building blocks and you go up, there's you and there's a chair you're sitting on. And it's right. going in and out of reality 10,000 times a nanosecond. <laughs> like, yeah. what is happening right now? Um, and so there's things like that. You're just like, okay, maybe, just maybe this isn't as black and white as picking up a text from you know, antiquity and going, oh, how did they heal? Right? Yeah. Well, they had the like witch doctors come around or the healer, mm-hmm. and the, the, you know, whatever. Jesus wasn't the only healer in the New Testament. You know, there was loads of healers around his time. Yeah. Um, and and they, they genuinely seem to be able to heal people. Uh, that's not what set Jesus apart was that he healed people. Uh, mm-hmm. But we gravitate to those things, don't we? But I do think, I think you're right in the sense of like, we're, we're missing out by not exploring beyond the kind of the little paradigm. Uh, yeah i've i I, for me it's like it's it's like you you grow up a certain way and when you're a child i don't want to use the term i don't know a better term for it but i'll use the term indoctrination because i don't know a better mm -hmm. term um but when you're a child your brain is a sponge and you're taught if whatever you're taught you accept as reality right and so i i was in a place of like my you know my it was my, my home was very unstable. My dad was unfortunately very angry person. Mm. Um, looking at it now I can see, Oh, he had all this emotional trauma in his life that he wasn't able to process. And so it would come out in times of like rage or whatever. And I recognize that now because I feel that in my own life, Mm. I can feel the times where I'm like, I feel stressed. I feel, um, burnt out. I'm trying to run a business. And then my kids are like, and I can feel that building up inside of me and that energy, that emotion needs mm. to be released in a healthy way. Um, and so I learned that from a very young age, like there, like I was not, a, I was not safe. I was not in a safe place. And I, and so my, um, my, uh, what is it called? My, uh, the flight or flight system, like mm-hmm. the, you know, my, my nervous system, it was constantly in a state of, of stress. And it was like, I have to protect myself. You know, that's like, obviously your body's not thinking uh, conscious thoughts, but it's like your body does things to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when you're that little and you, you, these are the things that happens. That's what you're, the way your body's wired. Cause when you're that small, your body is setting itself up for the, your entire life. And so all your neural pathways, um, everything about your body, how it's growing is, is kind of setting things in, yeah. not in stone, but it's like, it's creating things like this is the way you're going to be. Yeah. And we just, we learn from our parents what life is supposed to be like. And we, we mm. parents, our parents model things. And so kids who grow up in abusive homes, they think it's normal. They don't know any different. 
yeah they think this is reality wow. you know and so and and so it's like that's that's a, a big a big challenge but for me it's like i was in this unsafe place and i threw myself into the charismatic world as a way mm. of of protecting myself and keeping myself safe i would say coping with life and we all have coping mechanisms and coping is fine and normal mm -hmm. um some are really unhealthy um but it you know i would say like doing that saved my life i probably yeah. would kill myself I, there were times even wow. within that context where i felt like killing myself um but looking back now with this new lens that i have i see like these times where i would like have these emotional outbursts and i don't and like what is wrong with me and for me it's like okay you know a demon is attacking me this is what i thought and i had pastors mm. leaders tell me that i'd be like i has had this emotional outburst i don't know what's going on they're like it's a demon you know it's like you gotta pray and i'm like okay i'll do that i don't know what else to do mm -hmm. and this is like this is when i'm an adult even at times too not even as when i'm a child yeah yeah, yeah. so but it's i recognize now i'm like oh this is the pain that was in my body from the time I was a very young child mm. trying to get out, trying to be processed. You know, what I've learned is that the only way to, to actually be healed is to go into the pain. Mm. I remember when I first started therapy um, a couple of years ago and she would, this, my therapist would get me to describe like, cause I would always feel this intensity in my chest. It's like this pressure. She's like, what is it? What is it? And it's like, I feel like she's like, visualize it. And I feel like it's this tightness. And she's like, there's these hands clamped around my heart. Mm. And in my mind, I thought, at first, I thought, I, somebody's, you know, somebody or something is trying to keep me in bondage. And then we were talking. And then I realized, like, in my, these were my hands were holding on because I did not want to let this pain out. I did mm. not want to feel it because it was terrifying. And over the time of therapy and doing some other modes of healing, I've, I've, I've opened up and it has been overwhelming. And I, I get it why people don't want to open that can of worms, but I'm just like, I'm stubborn <laughs> and determined. And it's like, I'm not going to do anything half-assed. I am going to get, when I get up the courage to do something, cause I am uh, Enneagram nine. So I love to avoid, I love to avoid things typically. Um, it's an unhealthy my unhealthiness in a, as an Enneagram mind is to check out and avoid I'm really good at that. But I'm just, when I really determined to do something, I'm like, I'm going to do it all the way. So I'm like, I'm going to get into this pain and figure out what it is. And learning that I was never taught how to um, regulate my emotions. I was mm. never taught how to um, feel my feelings. It was always, uh, it was always something that was just shut down. Um, mm. And then it would pop up in like, crazy emotional outbursts like like i said either it was like there was rage or i would just cry uncontrollably for like at the drop of a hat for like no mm. reason I'm like why what is you know and all the, for me it's like what is wrong with me and it was like all this shame of like why are you so sad you know and in the church and in the happy the happy church it was like why can't you be happy like what's wrong with you i had mm. people unfortunately you know at bethel fellow students and others would be like you know, it's like, just choose to be happy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's yeah. like, yes, I, for me, it's like, I get all that stuff. Like I read and memorized the Bible so much. Like when I was a kid, like I have yeah. so much Bible knowledge in my brain still. Um, it's like, I get it. 
I get everything on an intellectual level. Like it makes perfect sense. And so for me, it was always this, this, this separation of like, why do I, I believe all these things, but my experience is this. Yeah. And I know, you know, at Bethel, they would say like, well, you, you have faith and you trust, you take a step and trust in what you trust in the belief. And then Mm -hmm. your experience will line up with that. I do not believe that anymore. Yeah. I, I used to believe that. And I was like, this is, this is not, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually just, it's following a pattern and a principle and it's religious and it's denying people's experiences yeah. and it's not healthy. Yeah. Well, it's, because, it's the thing of like, you can have a prayer meeting that gets together and they'll pray 30 things over an hour and then they get back the next week and they go, oh, let's celebrate our testimonies. And they celebrate the three things that happened that they prayed about last week. But it's mm-hmm. failing to see that actually 27 of the things they prayed about didn't change. And it's like we we have this confirmation bias of like um, we focus on the successes. So we look at it and um, it's why like um, if you heard of The Secret, you know, the, the book and yeah. the whole like, oh, yeah. you know, just, just, you know, visualize and it'll become reality and all that. It's very, very charismatic. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like it's that concept. But what's interesting is what they did is they went out and they interviewed all the successful people. And they were like, how did you get there? And then you, they go, oh, well, I just like pulled myself up my bootstraps, right? It's a capitalism thing where I just visualized it. I just went for it. I just, you know, I saw what was there and I wasn't there yet. So I just filled it. I just went for it. I just moved forward and the, and the universe filled in the gaps. And but what's interesting is you could also go and talk to most of the people on the street, homeless, and say, yeah. how did you get here? And they might even say the same answers, but you don't ask those people. Um, and so what you're looking at is not the answer for how to become successful because you need actually to look at everyone that wasn't successful and see where the same answers are given because they're clearly not the right ones Mm -hmm. and actually look for what's different and i feel like that's how we operate in 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 christianity a lot of time is we um we pray for healing and it works occasionally and that's awesome i don't you know i have no concept for how miracles happen or what i mean if there is a god and a divine then of course miracles can work or whatever you know and and even if we'll rationally be able to explain them a thousand years from now and go oh well that was that obviously i don't know right i don't know but it does work you know and and there are people that are depressed that go oh my god i just read the joy of the lord is my strength and i've not been sad for 22 years and i'm like fucking amazing that's awesome i'm so happy for you but guess how many other people have read that Bible verse? Um, yeah. And so it's, it's this thing of like, we have to be so careful not to make a rule out of exceptions. And I think that's generally speaking what these are. These are exceptions and they're amazing, miraculous, wonderful exceptions. And I think we should be going, this is awesome. Look at how awesome that is. And look at it. Isn't that a great story to celebrate? Mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge there needs to be another path for everyone else that isn't seeing it. Even if you go, okay, well, I'll try and read that passage. And if it doesn't work, what do I do in the meantime? Is there like a middle ground where I go see some therapists while I'm yeah. reading that passage and saying it over myself? Or mm-hmm. is there, you know, when I'm, I'm dying of cancer, do I throw out all the pills and stop doing chemotherapy? Or could I do chemotherapy and get prayer for cancer? Because I'll take either really, if it means I get to live another 10 years, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a real danger there. Like, but it's that, it's that bias, isn't it? Because they don't, mm-hmm. I, most Christians that you talk to about this, they're like, well, no, but it does, it works you know? Um, and it's really, it's scary. And it's the same thing as like, you know, the capitalistic model. It's like, pull yourself up in bootstraps. If you just really throw yourself at it, it'll work. And it's like, yeah, that's true. It is true for lots and lots of people, mm-hmm. but it's not true for actually a lot more people. Um, because we fail to see that actually the people it works for 
are generally speaking the people that have it's worked for this society forever you know right and so it works for me and it worked for my grandfather and it worked for his grandfather um but guess what it didn't work for their slaves and it didn't work for his slaves and now we don't have slaves but it doesn't work for people that used to be slaves um right. and it's like mm, is there something about this system that makes pull yourself up your bootstraps work for me and not for someone else because if so the question then is is this even a healthy system if it only works for certain people right yeah. Like, should we really be glorifying a system that only works for 10% of people or 5% of mm -hmm. people or even 90% of people? If there's 10% of people left behind that doesn't uh, benefit from something, we need to be asking questions. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a challenging thing because none of us want to ask the questions when it works. You know, when, totally. when it works for me and it's other people that are suffering, it's other people that are poor, it's other people that don't have healthcare, it's other people that I'm like, well, it's really hard for me not to... to to not see from my perspective, from my world. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a huge one, really fascinating. But yeah. So how did, um, so you've been going on this journey like for about three years now, like how has this looked like, um, you, you mentioned you stopped going to church for about a year and that was kind of like the, the, the ball starting, the avalanche starting to roll really for you guys. Right. What, what do you think it was about that? Was it just not being in that culture? Was it the connections? Was it the relationships? Um, was it the, the, you know, the preaching and the theological input and like, you know, did it, what, what, what about disconnecting from going to church every day or, well, probably not every day, but close maybe. Um, I went to church, yeah, three, three times a week for, there you go. 30, pretty, for 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what, what about that? Like that shift, do you think, um, started the ball rolling for you starting to question things, look at things differently, explore things? I think just um i think because it was my coping mechanism my main method of coping okay. and you know um joe okay joe lumen you had last week on your podcast yeah yeah i love her she okay. has been like one of my new heroes i think She's I, texted amazing. You. I texted you really when i was awesome. listening to you and i was like this is amazing uh i listened to it, it was <laughs> awesome but she talks about church as high high level coping right mm. and it's this way of like yeah it's seen as like of course it's good and uh, very acceptable as a way of, of coping with your issues. Sure. But is it actually helping you to heal and be fully mm. alive? Or is it just continuing to like push those things to the side and allowing you to live this life that a lot of people would consider like this is true freedom? Mm. Um, but is it? That's my question. I don't want to say it's sure. not. I want to say, is it though? Yeah. Is it actually? Because... I don't know. I'm again, I'm 35. <laughs> I've done this my whole life and it hasn't worked. It mm. doesn't, it hasn't worked for me. And I'm like, you said, I like, I've seen people healed of like depression and other things. And it's like, okay. It's like, so either something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the system. Yeah. And I just, I can't continue to give my life to something that I isn't working. I, it does yeah. madness to me to just yeah. continue to do that. So I would say like stepping out of the environment, I really like, I miss community. Like, mm, yeah, it's that, common, right? For, for me, it's like, that is it. Community has been everything. And I know that this is a, a transitional time and I know that I will have community and I have good friends outside of the church too and friends who are in the church. And it's tough because it gets really messy when you decide to make a choice like this mm, and yeah. it affects relationships. You, you just can't, it's just impossible for that to not, to, not to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was, it wasn't like teaching or anything like that. Um, 
for me, I, I, I began to see that the actual, um, the act of, of worshiping, singing songs mm. was very triggering for me. Okay. Uh, and, and I began to see that, oh, this, because it was like, it was the main thing that I did growing up that I would use to um, separate myself or cope with my pain mm. in that way, you know? Um, so I, I think it was just like a, a stepping out of it, being separated from, I guess, all, all of it, every part of it. And when I did that, when I stopped, um, when I recognized like, oh, this is a coping mechanism. And I said, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped praying. I stopped doing all the things and all this pain came flooding out of me. Wow. Um, which, which to me is like, I can, I can look at it and say, oh, this, this is uh this is really bad. And it's because I stopped doing these things. If yeah. I do these things, then everything will be better again. Yeah. Well, that's how and a lot I, of people would frame it, right? I mean, exactly. Go, oh, well, obviously you stopped going to church. Of course, all this stuff came up when you like, yeah. And I, I can look back in my life at times where I've like really struggled emotionally and I can be like, oh, I wasn't praying as much. I wasn't, you know, reading my mm. Bible. Like, I just gotta, I gotta get back to those things. You know, I gotta mm -hmm. spend time with God. And like, if I do that, then I'll be okay. And so that to me just shows me that it's like, this is not, it's a coping mechanism. And again, I've had incredible experiences with God. Mm -hmm. I have had genuine encounters because God meets you where you're at. I don't, I don't think, uh, I mean, you know, I do believe God is so good in what little we can understand of God, you know, and the universe and whatever mm. you want to call it or they, because we don't really know. We have no clue. Yeah. And I think, you know, the certainty with which a lot of people say that they know is really unfortunate because we can be convinced of things. But again, it's that natural, it's that bias. It's like, oh, this has happened to me. This is my experience. So this is reality. And yeah. I think we just need to say, maybe this is my reality, but it's not many other people's reality. Yeah. So when all that pain came up, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit in this and I'm going to, I'm going to work through this stuff. Uh, I learned what the shadow self was Carl Jung. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with his, yeah. his theories. And it's like, Oh, this, this is a part of me. And for me, it was like, I was always this demonic thing, this, this anger, this fear, this ugly thing. Mm. It's like, don't look at it. Don't acknowledge it. Um, and just pray it away. And it's like, no, this is actually a part of me. And when you embrace those things, uh, you find freedom. You find like, yeah. oh, it's not scary. I don't have to be afraid. This is all just very normal. And it's a human experience. Yeah. And uh, it's it's going to be okay. And so like I'm, I'm in the, you know, I would say I'm in the throes of it. I like, I have good days and bad days. And it's especially hard with children. Man, I could yeah. talk so much about what I've learned about being a parent in two years, three, not even three years. Um, cause I have some very strong opinions on raising children and how, <laughs> and doing things differently than what the cultural norm would be. Sure. Um, but yeah. yeah, I guess to answer your question, I would just say is like, it was getting, it was, it was a coping, it was all just a coping mechanism and stepping outside of it mm. brought me to that place. Um, and I know I would say another book that I read, which is crazy because I read this book when I was in my third year at Bethel, okay. Insurrection by Pete Rollins. Have you read yeah, that book? Wow. Okay. No, I, I love Pete Rollins. So I'm, I'm surprised man. you're reading about then. That's I read crazy. it then. Well, because Rob Bell mentioned it. So I'm like, right. I'll try this book and I couldn't finish it. 
because I was at Bethel and it was so not Bethel. Yeah. You know? Oh gosh. Yeah. And then I picked it up uh, a couple years ago and I was like, this is amazing. And he talks <laughs> about how basically most Christians, we want death, we want resurrection, but we don't want to die, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we skip over the death part. Yeah. And we just, it's like, you know, it's spiritual bypassing. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that term. Yeah. I learned about that term recently. I'm like this, this makes so much sense. Um, and it's just like bypassing all the things to get to this good result. Um, yeah. And so like his thing, his idea, his ideas of like how we use church and pastors it, to put them in the place of like, as long as the pastor's good, we look to the pastor and we feel good and we don't have to question things. And like that to me is like, shows me how many pastors can't show that they have Jesus. doubt or fear yeah. or, you know, and it's like, they have to have this, this present this reality that, everything is good and God is good all the time. Yeah. Okay, it's stressful, right? Can you imagine right. people saw you that way? Literally all looking at you, hundred people, 200 people going, Oh, well, at least we know that Jordan will never fail us. Always knows the answer to everything. Always gets everything right. Is the perfect father is the perfect husband. He does everything perfectly. His business is going to be perfect. Like you're just like, Jesus, I'm going to die. Like at, at any yeah. moment I could slip up in any way and I'm done. Um, right. It's a terrifying thing. Really but I have, terrible. I have felt that way my whole life. Like mm. not cause I have a position that people look up to, but I felt this pressure to be this perfect person yeah. in every way. Well, that's and, what God wants. Yeah. How exactly. dare you not be that? <laughs> but, and then coming back to the, coming back to porn and the mm. shame of that, it's like, God, yeah. Constantly looking at pornography and being like, I'm such a terrible person. Why am I so bad? What's wrong with me? Yeah. And not recognizing that, um, for me, uh, what, recognizing that pornography is, you know, a symptom of what is actually going on. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a way of coping with the pain. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Gabor Mate? No. He's a, he's a Canadian uh, doctor. He wrote a, he's written a few books, but the book that he wrote that I love is called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. And it's about addiction. Okay. And he's worked with like hardcore drug addicts in Vancouver. Um, and he tells a lot of their stories. But he basically says, like, every, the way that people talk about addictions is wrong. And every single person that he has worked with has hardcore severe trauma, whether it's, like, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Mm. Um, and he, it's like they use these things as ways of coping. And so, excuse me, any, any type of addiction that I, in my opinion now, and looking at it myself, because I'm reading this book, and when I read stuff like that, I'm like, this is me, this is me, I recognize mm. that these things, like, this is, this is, this is my story, and it's not just my story, he's saying it's everybody's story, yeah. and he talks about his addiction to classical music, and he describes the process of where he, like, feels this pull, and it's like, I recognize that, you know, but, and for him, but for him, it's like, my addiction is socially acceptable, so it's not yeah. a big, you know, That's for it. any, he's like, but he shines a spotlight on himself and says, why is this okay for me? Mm. But this person who is, you know, into hardcore drugs that obviously is, are very destructive and destroys their physical health and their relationships, they're seen as bad people, yeah. you know, when they're just the most traumatized and they need the most love and yeah. we need to take care of them. And so I look at, you know, the, the pain that I had specifically related to my father and I was, I was using pornography as a way to soothe the pain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that, this, that makes it's sense. Not, so it's we not all talked have about those it. coping mechanisms totally. and, and, and we all have our trauma. Now trauma is like in the same way that coping mechanisms, we go, okay, it's probably better um, 
to, I don't know, um, go to church if it's coping mechanism than to hardcore pornography or whatever, right? Oh, maybe there's some right. sort of scale or it's better to do that than to become an alcoholic and a heavy drug user or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, ultimately they're all symptoms of some sort of pain suffering. And, right. and at the same time, any pain suffering, there's maybe scales there as well. Like where, uh, you know, you look at your kids and you would wish uh, on them a thousand times that they have to deal with, you know, like people being mean to them at school versus, you know, being abused sexually. or right. something. You know, So there's a scale of things of like, okay, we all can acknowledge there's this scale of like quantifying things as good or bad and, and a scale in between or how bad they are. But ultimately when you're the kid and all you've ever experienced negatively is being bullied at school, right. that is as bad as something else you know it's, it's this thing of pain is um is subjective there isn't a quantifiable pain mm-hmm. so you can't this is something that i've got chronic pain so this is something i've learned in studying pain is that i could hit myself with a hammer in my hand at exactly the same point you could hit yourself in the hands with a hammer at exactly the same point with exactly the same weight with exactly the same hammer and our pain would be different right and we don't actually even have a very good way of measuring which was different or how different they were Mm-hmm. The only metric for you to know how much pain that was, was how much do you feel pain? And the same for me. And so the same as a kid who, you know, falls over and bumps their knee. If that's the biggest fall they've had so far, it literally is the worst thing that's ever happened. Exactly. And that's the pain they feel. It is the worst pain they've ever. And so because of that, our traumas can be very light. So I hear stories of people like yourself that maybe had like um, less of a toxic uh, or less of a, a healthy environment for parenting. Maybe your angry father or things like that. My dad wasn't particularly angry. You know, he'd yell at us occasionally or like spank us or whatever. But like, it, was, it was relatively normal and fine for most people. Um, I didn't have these horrific traumas. But actually talking to a therapist or something, they're like, well, I feel actually they got some serious trauma in there. You're yeah. just, you're, you're looking at society and putting it on a scale and going, well, mine doesn't matter. Because I wasn't, I used to do the same thing like that, right? Yeah, I wasn't physically abused, but uh, you know, I I would do the same thing. I'd be like, oh, mine's not nearly as bad as most other people. But then what we do is we then don't deal with it, or we don't acknowledge it, or we don't look at it. But the problem is that the the scarring it does, and the 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 pain and the suffering that it causes can be just as deep in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's it's a fascinating dynamic. And then you're so right in talking about that, like who's addiction right some people like binge eat and that's dude if i get if i get down i'm a bit depressed or anxious dude i am like where's the junk food i am I own, on it i i own an ice cream shop oh god you're dead i have unlimited <laughs> access to free ice cream as much dude, as i want work on your issues you're a ticking time bomb <laughs> i know right but that's the thing i have a, i have an extremely unhealthy relationship with food i know that and it's yeah. something that i'm working on but yeah you it's but it's acceptable s- to some degree, right? I mean, maybe a few is. people might go, you know, oh, you know, that's terrible that you do that. But on the whole, people go, ah, well, it's not, you're not hurting anyone really. And, you know, versus, I don't know, like turning into like, um, like a sexual predator or an alcoholic or, right. you know, there's lots of ways you can be really destructive, rage and like going into bars and picking fights and beating people up. Okay, all worse than going, you know what, I could have two cheeseburgers today that's that's not as bad I, you know we can all quantify that on some level and go yeah it's you're not destroying i, I guess we we kind of have like circles right is it hurting myself and it's hurting right. people i love and it's hurting strangers mm-hmm. but like it's it's fascinating to me how much that isn't i don't know just 
we don't look at that stuff. We don't delve into that stuff. When we hear the word trauma, we, we, we immediately kind of go, oh, I, most, most people that have trauma, like severe trauma, go, yeah, okay, I've got trauma. I need to work on right. it. Whatever. But generally speaking, a lot of people that we've all got this trauma. So people that do have the trauma, but don't seem to acknowledge how severe it can be, even though it's yeah. limited. That's a scary world to be in. And that's the one I'm in. I know I'm like, oh, I don't look at my trauma. You know, I'm reading, um, uh, is it, it's a book called Bod- the body keeps a score. It's about how yeah. trauma. Uh, I haven't read that one yet, life. but I'm, I'm super interested in reading that. It's one. really interesting, but I'm reading it and I'm finding myself constantly going, Oh yeah, that's like in this person I talked to that was abused or this person that had that terrible family or this person. And I'm really struggling to bring it home because I don't see my life as traumatic. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I have trauma. I know I should I- I'll have trauma yeah. in there somewhere that I need to deal with. And so there's this danger that we don't actually allow ourselves to look, you know, it's, and it's scary. It's death, right? It's, we don't want to uh, let totally. those hands off the heart kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's really scary. So what were, what were some of the, you mentioned therapy, um, but were there, were there practical tools that you found that you've been applying that have helped you kind of go through that process of like looking at your trauma, looking at your pain, evaluating your coping mechanisms? Yeah. So I started talk therapy a couple of years ago. I, I have, I don't do it right now. I found it was good and it helped me start the process, but I found after a little while, at least for me, it, it stays a lot in the realm of the, the mind. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, I found it just, I found like we just ended up talking about the same things over and over again. And I was like, we're not, we're not getting anywhere. We're just, we're talking and it's helped me to become aware of these things, which is super helpful. Um, to be aware, but there, but then to actually get the healing, uh, it just hasn't, hasn't taken me where I need to go. So I actually, I stumbled upon this thing because I was, you know, quote unquote, addicted to porn. I, I found this uh, program online called my pilgrimage okay. and it is a fantastic program. Um, you can Google it. Uh, it's a great resource for anyone in my opinion, who has these is- has issues with pornography. Um, and honestly, it's, it's directed towards men. Um, but it's, it's really, and, and that was a big thing where they talk about pain and pain in the body and trauma and how pornography is just, it's just like anything else. It's not the problem. It's a symptom. And once you deal with, deal with what's going on in your inner world and heal the pain, that stuff will, it just will go away. And like, I, it's crazy how much I, like you know quote-unquote struggled with pornography because it's like an addiction is like i would be pulled and it was like i knew when i was feeling a certain way i was like there's i'm gonna look at pornography when i go home it's like there's no there's nothing that's gonna stop me and i don't want to consciously i don't want to but nothing is gonna stop me from doing it and that is you know by definition of addiction um but i wanted to battle it you know i had people pray for me i did all the things that Mm -hmm. i knew to do and that the church people that I knew who are good, well-meaning people told me to do and nothing worked, you know, mm-hmm. accountability. I would tell, tell certain people everything that I had done and everything that I was doing and how I was feeling. And it's like, I just wanted to be free, you know? And it's like, yeah. I just wanted to be free. Um, and then, so I started in this Mike pilgrimage, they talk about healing and like, and they get into like energy healing and feeling in your body. Where's the pain? And asking, sitting, and meditating, and being. Um, sorry, I got a runny nose. It's really bugging sorry. me. Sorry, I don't have a, any bad viruses or anything. <laughs> um, 
and and you know and being like these things like sitting with the pain and and then and actually you know moving the energy out of you and learning how to do that and by meditating and breathing and slowing down and just being really still um and then i also met this person who's a, become a good friend of mine who is into and has an energy healing practice she does uh, a couple different modalities one is called body talk which is um, a way where she listens to your body and what your body is telling her. And it's when I went, when I did it the first time and I, cause I was at this place, I was just like, this was after like nine months of not being in the church and it was really, mm. really hard and work was super stressful and the kids, and I was like, I am just going to lose it. I don't know what to do. And it was like, for me, it was almost like a last resort. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I, 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 she had told me a little bit of what she did. And then my wife, my wife, uh, I haven't met your wife. I'm sure she's amazing. My she wife is. is just like the most amazing person in my life. She is such <laughs> a rock. I am like the emotional crazy, like all over the place. And she's just solid as a rock. Wow. And so she's the one who, uh, she's like, you should really go see this person. You should, mm. you know, do, I think that's what you need. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I don't even, I don't know. And it, it you know, I went into it and it's like new experience, totally different paradigm like this is weird mm. you know um but i did two sessions with her and i was completely healed i like and it's not like this thing where it's like you know how you get prayed for sometimes and then you're just like believe that you have your healing you know and it's like i felt it in such mm. a real way and from that moment on pornography has not been an issue like wow. it was just like boom it was gone you know and i you know when i am stressed and like overworked and like I can feel that temptation and I'm like yeah I could do that but it's like it's no longer this thing where it's like I have to do this it's yeah. like oh I recognize that because I'm you know feeling stress or whatever mm-hmm. but it's like no I can actually I actually have the power to say no wow. you know what I mean so, and and it was like with the last session that we did I mean I've done some sense I actually have one tomorrow because <laughs> it's just like for me it becomes this has become this regular thing it's like it's like therapy where it's like it's, I don't think humans are like one time healed and then they're good to go. You know, mm, it's like, yeah. we have levels of healing and different things. And so I, um, I felt it was crazy after the second one, I felt this, like my chest, it was a literally a physical feeling. My chest felt like sp- spread open like this. Like it was on like physically like pushed. And it was like, I was like open like this. It was the craziest feeling. I had never felt anything like that before. Mm. And it was and I was explaining to her like what I was feeling. And she's like, you've never inhabited that part of your body fully. And like, you're, you're actually able to be in that space because I mean, and this is where it gets like weird and I don't know how true these things are. And it's like, whatever, but it's like when trauma affects us, like it fractures, you know, it does fracture people's personalities and people get split personalities, but Mm -hmm. it separates you. And I think people live in a lot of ways separate from their body. They're not fully, um, present and engaged and active you're you're living in, in like this state of um disruption mm. and so anyway it was crazy and really cool and like uh so that that was a big modality and now like what i do now is again it's really hard with two small children <laughs> i'm really bad i'm really bad at it and i'm not a disciplined person by any means so um practices 
uh, take a lot of time with me. But one of the things is I'm learning to have grace for myself. I have had so much self-hatred for my entire life um, that it's just like, I just don't care anymore. Mm. I can't, I can't be hard on myself. And I recognize like, you know, those voices that you have, what you're taught, like, Oh, that's the devil. If it's not God, it's the devil. You know, like, it's like, intellectually I understand like oh yeah that's probably not a good idea to say that I hate myself but when that's the most visceral reaction that comes at me it's like okay I've made this mistake and it's and honestly I'll be like I'll do something and it is a mistake and be like I'll be like fuck you Jordan what is wrong with you like what Mm. is wrong with you you piece of shit and those that'll be the thoughts that go on my head and I'll be like okay this I know that this is not helpful but this is coming from somewhere default right Right. It's yeah, it's the default and it's coming from somewhere. So you got to find out where it's coming from and deal with that. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I think again, where I would, you know, where I would kind of jump back and say that this idea of like, when you, if you have just, if you just believe or you take this physical step, then your experience will line up with that. I feel like that way of living and being, it's like, it just, it, again, it, it's a way that some people can cope and live, but I don't think it leads to freedom. I don't think it leads no. to healing because I, I think anything religion or otherwise, like that comes down upon you. That is like, okay, this is the, thing. sorry, man. Yeah. So you were saying, <laughs> um, this internet is killing me. Um, okay. so you're saying like, you know, you don't see, so, cause it kind of cut you off halfway through. So I want to finish this train of thought. Um, yeah. Here you probably finished it before you realized it was cut. I, I was, I was going and I was you're, like, oh, you're, you're frozen. preaching, man. Um, and so uh, you say like, you know, you don't see that religion is, um, or, or, or some of these kind of um, lesser modalities that are maybe more of a coping mechanism that you don't see them ultimately leading to healing. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think anything that comes from with, from outside of you, like whether it's restriction where it says like, okay, like don't look at pornography. That is, that is like, you know, could be considered a rule. It's like, okay, it's probably not the healthiest thing for me to do, but if it's not the, something that's coming from within me, if it's not springing up from mm-hmm. inside my being as a you know, core value for some, some people to call it, but even, I don't even like that. It's like a way of being. It's like, this is my expression of who I am. That is the, the reality that I am expressing. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, no, it I feel like, I feel like it needs to start inside of you. Yeah. You know, you look at people in, you know, the ways that people are motivated, even in the world, there's lots of studies done. And I read a book about it once. It's like, people are not people who are motivated externally. They don't end up committing and going as long and doing the things that they really want to do. But when you're yeah. motivated internally, when it comes from within you, then that's the thing that really lasts. And I mean, that's what passion is. That's what like Mm -hmm. your life force, your energy. And so when we're constantly looking to be like, Oh, okay, what are these other things? What are these things telling me to do? And for me, it was like, what, okay, what does the Bible say to do? What do leaders say to do? How, you know, these are things I'm going to do rather than saying, what do I want to do? Yeah. What is inside of me? And for me, I think, the, the part of the reason that churches think that um, they, there are these like, you know, rules or expectations or whatever you want to call them is that we think people are really bad. Mm. And I think that this goes way back. Um, you know, obviously I don't believe in like penal, penal substitutionary atonement or like the fall of man or like original sin. 
and like this idea that we are corrupt because mm. it's very easy to look at the world and be like, that's all this evil. So mankind must be corrupt and we yeah. need a savior in order to save us from our corrupt nature. Sorry, my phone, my computer messages are going off. I thought I shut them off, but that's all right. And it's this idea that I think, again, is so ingrained in the culture. We don't realize that it's affecting our very, our very decision-making and, and the way that we view the world. It's like mm. people are good. And I know a lot of Christians would say that. It's like God said it was good when he created yeah. them. But I think there's this underlying thing because we don't actually dig deep enough to actually see. It's like, well, if people leave the church, they're just going to like yeah. get high. Run around, and, like raping Get high, have lots of sex and like people. do all these bad things. And it's like, no, like humans are good. Yeah. And the reason yeah. humans are quote unquote bad is because we're all in pain. Mm. We're all traumatized. Yeah. And I remember talking about, you know, what generational curses are. And we, I remember like all these discussions about those, like our generational curse is a thing. Like, what well, is this, you know, all this stuff. And it's like generational trauma is a huge yeah. thing. Absolutely. My dad passed on his trauma to me because he wasn't able to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And and this is the, honestly the greatest, most exciting thing about being a parent. It's like, I am stopping the cycle of generational it. trauma. It's like, that's what I get to do. And for me, it's, it's so exciting. And it looks like parenting is really different. Mm. And, and um, you know, I, and I'm not perfect. I lose it sometimes. I get stressed and I yell at my kids and it's yeah. like, that's going to be traumatizing for them. And and it's like it's not. It's I'll, start, like, I'll start a fund for your <laughs> therapy later. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that's the thing. I think if we don't like, if we don't listen to our children mm-hmm. and actually hear what they have to say and actually let them lead us, like the Bible, um, I forgot, this is where my Bible knowledge gets all like, it's out there. So it's in my brain, but I don't know where it is. It's like, what it, the, some of the Bible says, a little child shall lead them. And Jesus mm. said, you have to be like a child to see the kingdom, mm. Right. And, you know, there's all kinds of debates on what it means to be like the child, to be innocent, you know, sure. child, childlike means. But it's like, I really think that our children are supposed to lead us. And the way that I have experienced my children and how much of this stuff they bring out of me. And I was like, I think children are the healers and children mm. are supposed to bring out all that stuff that we are not focusing on, that the stuff that we're, we're uh, repressing mm. and, and they're like, because they're so free and they play and they don't live by our stupid rules, you know? And it's like, yeah. for me, I'm like, do I want to raise somebody who just follows the rules and is a good yeah. member of society and is going to just contribute to the capitalistic system? Or do I want to raise a shit disturber who's going who's gonna to question everything and really be like Jesus mm. because their soul has not been crushed by me forcing them into this box of molding them. And I think Christian parents, unfortunately think that, I mean, I don't think their kids are bad, but they're like, we got to set them on the right path, you mm-hmm. know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I don't think children need ideology and belief yeah. systems. I think they need love yeah. and safety and protection. And, yeah. and that's it. Like I really, be- I really don't think that it's, you know, getting them to believe all these certain things when they're really young is, yeah. I think it actually has the opposite effect. In my exactly. Opinion. Yeah. No, I think that's it. It's, it's yeah. Train a kid up in the way they should go and they'll, you know, walk out an amazing path. But like, 
does that mean, hey, train them in like these like 10 doctrinal things that they have to believe, train them in like being able to repeat after me exactly this is what God is like. Or is it training them to be open? Is it training them to connect inwardly? Is it training them to be led inwardly? Is it training mm -hmm. them not to live with external shoulds and musts and all that? Like, There's different ways to approach a passage like that than just going, oh, well, we must just indoctrinate our children to believe like we did. And right. like, if you study like the evolution of humanity and societies, it is the kids that set us free. You know, it is, uh, we, we get stuck generationally in repeating the patterns of our prior past and the, and the traumas of our mm -hmm. past and, and the way our parents teach us. But at a certain points, uh, as you track through history, there's a generation that kind of comes up and goes, are we happy doing this anymore? Should we, dude, is that not crazy? Let's, yeah. why don't we just do this a little bit differently? Um, and, and they're not that often these generations, you know, they are like, you know, hundreds of years apart sometimes, thousands mm -hmm. of years apart sometimes. But what's interesting is if you track it throughout human history, they get more and more and more frequent. And we are getting that in a very heavy frequency now. And sometimes multiple times in a generation, we're getting people going, no, we're not doing it this way. And you look at, um, I remember doing a tour of the South um, at the beginning of the year before everything shut down. And I'm like in rural parts of the South, right? I mean, like, yeah. it's like, amazing uh just very different for someone that comes from europe um and i've traveled a lot throughout america so i've seen it all but i'm just like every now and again i'm just shocked and surprised and going oh wow that's a thing it's 2020 yeah. and that's a thing um but what's fascinating is i was talking to all these different people and the, the age spread of most of the people i was talking to was maybe like mid-20s through to like early 40s probably most of the people i talked to is people outside of that and and most of the time i was there i was like man i really want to talk to some teenagers because I will be fascinated to see, because there's an element of when you're really rural and you're not going to leave this rural part of the world and you haven't left this rural part of the world mm -hmm. and you, you're not going to leave, you're going to, you've got a business here or you've got whatever, you're not going to change. There's no external kind of pressure for you to kind of suddenly kind of like realize that this isn't working because uh, it works. Right. Um, and so it's okay to be here racist because it works for me. <laughs> it's okay to be like, you know, a capitalist because this capitalist society works in this little bubble here. Um, I don't want to go to the next town over where everyone it didn't work for went, um, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. it works in my little bubble. Um, and then what's interesting is talking to the teenagers. I was like, oh, dang, this whole system is done. Because even, because I know what it's like for teenagers in Europe. I know what it's like teenagers in New York and, you know, Boston and right. San Francisco. Um, mm -hmm. But if you go into a really rural place in the South and you start talking to teenagers, you even start talking to like 10, 11 year olds. They're like, oh yeah, no, the stuff mom and dad are talking about, they're crazy. Like I love them, but like, no, of course, like gay people aren't going to go to hell. Yeah. Of course, like it's okay to be, you know, whatever. Oh, of course the capitalistic system isn't going to last forever. That's crazy. You know, and, and it's fascinating to me that I'm like, Part of, part of this whole thing is going to be, we just need to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible yeah. thought. Um, but, but it is this thing of like, we will keep moving forward as society. We'll, we'll keep moving forward as humans. As long as we don't destroy exactly. the universe, uh, the world before uh, that actually happens. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think there is this thing of like, us raising generations to think for themselves, to be led inwardly, to, to be tapping mm -hmm. into the divine God within and going, right. okay, what is it that my heart beats for? What is it I should be doing? You know, healing that pain, like just teaching our kids to acknowledge their pain, acknowledge your suffering, like acknowledging how my pain spills over on them and just going, mm -hmm. Hey, this is what it's like. It's because I've got this stuff going on. I'm really sorry. 
like how did that affect you do you want to talk about it now i'm really here to talk about it anytime i want to acknowledge like you know yeah you know that's just a mind-blowing shift um and i don't know if it has to be that we're constantly generation versus generation i think there can be a shift where it becomes generations working together totally um, but certainly that's what it's been in the past it and, and, it, yeah. and it feels like that um I, I say that loosely but i was i was laughing you've been to some rob bell events right Average demographic uh, in a Rob Bell event, right? I've been to maybe five or six. Oh, really? 50s wow. 50s plus. 50s plus, always. Really? The average person there. Yeah. Every time I'm surprised because every time I'm like, oh, yeah, people that listen to Rob Bell and watch Rob Bell, they're like me. And I get there and I'm like, oh, no, they're about 10, 15, 20 years older than me. Um, and it's still people my age, but like the vast majority, I'm like, huh. And so I, I don't even think it's a necessarily a generational thing. I think that's mm-hmm. a real danger a lot of people talk about deconstruction as though it's just a bunch of 30 year olds like going no screw christianity but actually this is a very broad um thing right. but i just i do think it's more common in younger ages uh yeah but rob, rob talks yeah. about that idea of like the universe like creation and obviously like the big bang and the universe is expanding but rob also talks about like the universe is pulling us forward like, you know, people talk about, oh, I would like to go back to the good old days or, you know, the early church got it right. You oh, know, but it's like, good old days. we are, we're moving forward. Um, and mm. it's getting better, you know, like yeah. there's still a lot of terrible things happening in the world, but it's way better than it's ever been. And we're going to die and our kids are going to live and it's going to be better for them, you know? And mm. it's like you said, I've said this to, to actually be many people in terms of like, you know, global warming and destruction of the earth. It's like... I think humanity will get it right. I think we will. There might be like a hundred people left on the planet when we do start from scratch. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, I think humanity will get there. Like, I think Mm. that is being made in the image of God. It Mm. being actually like God, like Mm. I have some, I have some opinions on that, but I don't know if I should share them. Do it. Well, it it depends on if it's going to end up getting you stoned. back. Well, I won't get stoned, but. People, people i'm sure people will be really disappointed you are always free to share anything here so i know uh, but yeah use your discretion well so. it's like even in it's in colossians where uh, paul is talking about he says you know there's neither slave nor free jew nor gentile christ is all and is in all he says christ is all and so if we think oh he's just talking about some great metaphor is he talking about a metaphor or is he talking about christ is all of us mm-hmm. is god is are we made up of God? If God or the universe or whatever you want to call them is this thing that we can't understand, but everything is comprised of God. Everything is made up of God. And I'm not talking about, this is the problem where people get into like, well, we don't worship creation. And it's like, no, but I don't worship Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can, I, I just don't. And I, I greatly, uh, I believe Jesus was divine, but I also believe that I'm divine. Mm. And so it doesn't matter to me that, that there is a difference because Paul, Paul said Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. And I believe he was showing us the way of what it is like to be fully human and fully connected to the divine. And we can all do that. Mm. We can all live that way. Have you read um, Um, uh, Universal Christ? Oh my God. Yes. It's a like, great, it's a great depiction of what that can look like from a very uh, Christian perspective. So you can look at it yes. and still hold on to your Christian roots, Christianity, Christian form and structure in a lot of ways, 
but engage with this concept because i think this concept is right. very common in a lot of eastern traditions it's very common in um a lot of new age kind of like um concepts. but that's so evil and dangerous for christians so right. i always love to go okay well like that's fine if you if you're not willing to explore it in that package because that scares you you know if it's a scary package why don't you look at it in this but i think he puts that forward beautifully and i think there is i i love i was talking with um i had a guy called kyle butler on uh okay i think the last podcast a couple of podcasts ago um and we were talking about consciousness and what is consciousness and, mm. and ultimately is consciousness god really at its, at its core and are we just um are we just tapping into what it is for God to express himself, exactly. uh, herself, yeah. itself, whatever it is such it's, the words it and he and them and her totally. are stupid. You know, it's, it's like they're all made up concepts. People mm-hmm. are made up concepts and the concept of like what God is before that and bigger than that and whatever. But um, I do love like just even as a thought experiment, what is that? You know, right. uh, some of the greatest minds that have, ever lived have still gone yeah i don't know there is no one that goes yeah this is it and they know for sure um and i think that's a beautiful and exciting thing um for sure and i for me i see that all the way through the new testament i see that language there um i don't even know if they were engaging with it or aware of it necessarily even um yeah i sometimes wonder if jesus was just on a whole nother plane um in the same way that yeah if god came down and started explaining what what existence is without trees and people and atoms because totally. god lives beyond that we'd all just not we'd be like what is this guy talking about and i feel like jesus on some level is is there you know he's explaining to like ants what totally. um, what the color blue is you know and, like, and people were like what are you talking about but seriously. it wasn't about what he said it was about his spirit and people were yeah. drawn to him yeah. And because he was, he was alive. He said, Oh, you speak with the authority that these teachers don't have. Mm-hmm. And it was this whole other thing. And it was, yeah. it was Christ. It was yeah. the Christ in him. He tells, he tells Jewish people to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And then everyone leaves. And then the disciples are like, dude, what the hell? And he's like, well, are you going to leave? And he's like, ah, I, I mean, I want to after that sermon, but where am I going to go? You've yeah, got, got life. nowhere else to go. This life exactly. Um, and so there is this thing of like, I love Jesus right at the end, right? He's like, I'm going to give you the spirit. And it's largely because I have so much stuff I want to teach you, but you aren't ready. You just aren't ready for this. And, yeah. and I feel like humanity to some degree still isn't ready. We're still unpacking this. We're still figuring yeah. it out. We're still, you know, God, it's not that long ago that we were just starting to unravel. Huh. Racism is a thing. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Right. I mean, that's a new concept for humanity. And that was a long time after Jesus that we started having mm-hmm. that conversation. Right. Long time after. And so you're right. like, was oh, Jesus racist? Does he not care? And I'm like, well, I probably did. But he also recognized, okay, I've got a lot I want to talk about. That's not going to fly yet. Let's start the ball rolling and let's yeah. move forward. It's that forward momentum that you're talking about, right? It's like, totally. let's move forward. And this is what terrifies me about Christianity. Um, and, and, and I do want to make it clear when I say Christianity, when I say church, when I say these things, and we, we're talking about these things, it's like they're crutches or this talking in very broad stroke generality, of course. great churches that can be of very course. healthy coping yeah. mechanisms and even healthy places that teach inward change and, and mm-hmm. inwards. And so broad strokes here, but as totally. we look at broad stroke, um, there's this need and desire to move backwards into the good old day, but it's almost completely devoid of what the good days were. Like, you know, like you look at like Jesus's time and you're like, do you really want to live then? Cause like, 
dude, if you said, eh, I don't really like the way the government's handling uh, this coronavirus pandemic, you're crucified. There you go. <laughs> Did you enjoy that? Because yeah. your Facebook tweet or, you know, a Facebook post or whatever saying like, well, I hate the government or like, oh, this is a conspiracy. Or all ended dead. Like, yeah. like, not even like, you know, well, that's not very good. You're going to jail for a few days. No, you're dead. Like, that's how talking about the government went mm-hmm. those days. Or what about like, you know, you steal something. Well, they would cut off your hand or stone you. Like, okay. Or what if I do good stuff? Doesn't really matter either. You're probably going to die of Ebola by like 22. Like, right. you know, it's like, what do you really want to live in these days? Or would you rather move forwards with society where we're mm-hmm. more inclusive, we're more accepting, we're more loving, we're more aware of our mental health, our physical health. We've got doctors. Like, this just feels like something we're a bit dim about, you know, this desire to move backwards when, yeah, good. no, I don't know any historian that wants to live in the past. No, no one that's actually studied the past goes, God, that would have been a great time to live. Like, not compared to today. Yeah. Um, it's, it's wild, really wild. It's because we don't know how to live in the present. Mm. And if you look at, the Bible. And even like when God was talking to Moses, he says, I am that I am. I believe that God is present. God is like, not just present in like, Oh, God's here because that's just my understanding of like, Oh, I'm here in this building. And so when God is here, no, God is, is very, is presence, you know? And, and when you are present, that is when God is. God isn't, you know, we understand time in a very linear way, obviously. And mm. obviously we say, well, God is beyond time and beyond space. And it's like our little brain can't really grasp what that actually means. But like what I've learned, what I've learned and practiced about meditation and just being still. Mm. I mean, there's that great verse in the Bible. This is be still and know that I am God, mm. you know, and I'm just like grabbing Bible verses that support what I believe. So it's like, <laughs> I'm just like all the other bad people. That's, yeah. that's fine. But it resonates with me. But it's like, when I, when I actually practice breathing and, you know, and thankfully, excuse me, because of Rob Bell, I know that this, this is just something that Rob Bell taught. I think it was in one of his new books called breath. He's like, when you're oh, the, yeah. the ancient Jewish tradition is when, when you, when you're breathing, you're saying the name of God, you're saying yeah. Yahweh. And it's like, oh, when we're breathing, we are actually like saying the name of God. We are actually being present with God. The very act of breathing life in our lungs. Like we don't actually really understand why we, I mean, we know what breathing does and like oxygen and how it changes and stuff, but we don't really understand why we are alive and conscious. It's like Mm -hmm. this, this thing is just happening to us. And if we can, if we can learn to be still, like that's where I just Mm -hmm. find peace. I find peace and stillness. Yeah. And so then for me, it's like the frenetic worship of like the charismatic. It's like, whoa, whoa. And you have emotional experiences and like crazy things happen. And it's like mm-hmm. great sometimes. But for me, and especially as an introvert, it's like that exacerbates my anxiety. And I feel like my whole life, I've been like a, a square peg trying to go into a round hole. <laughs> it's like, it's just like I'm jamming myself in there and it just doesn't fit. And now I've found these ways like, oh, this is actually, this works for me mm. to actually meditate and not to meditate on things. So I know a lot of people say, you don't want to empty your mind because that's what the devil will get you. It's yeah. like, actually, when you really empty your mind, you experience reality in a new way. You actually mm. experience what it's like to just be. Yeah. And because I think we're, our brain is on, as our ego, our brain, our thought process is on like constant, like go, like it doesn't yeah. shut off. And it's a practice to learn to shut off. And I mean, that's just the way our being is is uh is designed 
or it's just the way it operates. And it's a way to keep us safe as a species and to, you know, and to progress. There's a big part of the ego, but we've, we've definitely lost a lot of the ancient practices of just being, which again, I'm not yeah. saying like go back to that, but I think some early, early uh, beliefs and spiritualities and religions had these, especially like mm-hmm. indigenous populations, man, and their connection mm. with the earth. And it's like, obviously as, white colonizers we just have like destroyed indigenous populations all over the world which is so sad and we think oh they're worshiping nature so they're worshiping the devil it's like no they have a connection to to god that we do not experience they see god in a way that we do not and we're missing out if we're not learning from them i've studied celtic christianity a little bit um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know john philip newell i read one of his books and it's very much the celtic Christianity is very much connected to the earth. It's very much a natural, holistic expression of faith, which I've, I find really fascinating. Um, but just being present. And it's like, I am constantly, I'm constantly in it. It's like, oh, my kids are right in front of me and I'm thinking about work, you know? And it's yeah. like, no, it's like, I am, it's like, it's a lifetime of just like, just being, you know? And it's like, I think honestly, again, it's our culture, our capitalistic, like, mm. uh, uh, culture that just values productivity it's like how much can you produce what can you do with your life are you going to leave a legacy and Mm. i'm just like i'm just here to live yeah i just want to live and i want to see this pandemic shift that because to me i'm like i'm seeing a lot of people working less hours or at least working from home reevaluating ah this work i'm doing i actually really like being around my kids a lot of the day or you know i like that i'm because i don't commute for an hour and a half i'm actually home at 5 when i stop working and gosh man i wish i was home at 5 more often maybe i'm going to try and rearrange to quit work at 3 or work from home or work from home 2 days a week like people are already i feel like mm-hmm. um, it's causing it, it's a silver lie i'm not saying the pandemic's a good thing by any shape or measure no but there's there's a lot of silver linings to get out of this i think and, and one of it is it, it is forcing us to slow down and evaluate what we what we prior i think being forced not to we can't even be as consumers right i mean you can maybe order some stuff on amazon but it takes a little longer or maybe some things are not in stock or maybe some of the, it just immediately i'm like and then even buying things i'm like well you know i don't have this much money right now and so i'm having to yeah. buy less and you realize ah i'm actually just as happy I'm just as happy without buying new things. I'm just as happy not, you know, no one's right now dreaming about what big house they're going to buy next. You know, like mm-hmm. everyone's just kind of like, well, we'll make do in this house. Cause I'm not leaving it. <laughs> I can barely yeah. leave it to go shopping. Never mind, you know, go <laughs> shop for a new house. So, and so like, suddenly we just kind of shrink right down and realize I'm actually quite happy. Now, obviously there's a lot of people in really unhealthy places and it's not at all good for them. So I'm saying it's maybe for a, many privileged people it's an opportunity for that silver lining yeah it's it is unfortunate that there's there's privilege in that but yeah it's like i i agree with what you said obviously i don't want to say that this pandemic is obviously terrible and i think people will continue to underestimate it you were you had it right yeah 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 you had it it and you were saying how terrible it was it's like i don't i don't know anybody uh personally other than you who's mm. who's had it but it's like they're still saying that they're learning things about it like people are getting strokes and like yeah. saying like they don't From understand the how it works yeah. yeah and and so it's like it's really really bad um but it's like you said it's like i humanity i think we don't like to change no. and unless something is forced forces. upon us forces us to to say oh maybe maybe we should stop and think and maybe this 
we could structure the world differently because there are people, obviously the people in power want things to stay the way they are. And we have, there's lots of people protesting all the time that the way the government is and how it's, it's not for everyone. And yeah, you, I hope that I think on an individual level, people are seeing those things. I hope that our governments and those in power can actually see, Oh yeah, maybe this isn't work. I'm hoping for like universal incomes to come out of this. Mm. Spain, Spain is starting universal income very soon, yeah. and they said they're going to keep it for yeah. ever. Well, they were at thirty percent unemployed <laughs> under the age of twenty-eight, I think. So before really? before this happens, if you're really? under twenty-eight, a third of you were unemployed. It's just the, the the system in play where older people just weren't retiring. There wasn't enough jobs being created, like you go through university, you get leave and you're like, Oh, there are no jobs. Cause my grandpa's still working. And like there's no freaking new jobs and you can go, well, you know, like there's always work to be done. No, they're not necessarily. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it was a complex measure. And, and I think it's really quite exciting to see countries that were in such dire strait. It's terrible to see the, the, the things that have, forced it but mm-hmm. I, I, my hope is that in the long term we look at these things and go oh so much good came out you, know, you, you could do it with anything gosh you could look at world war ii and say oh so much good came out of it so you know i'm not saying that it, it means it's good no one's saying no. world war ii is good but you can look at world war ii and go oh wow it's amazing we we you know we totally radically shifted how we transport how how we get around medicine was tra- renovated you know there's so much came out of a terrible situation so i think it's more like that where it's a terrible external we're talking about internal change right but these external things these sufferings um that come upon us that cause us to go oh i don't like this what what don't i like about it and what's going on why is it this way does it have to be this way um but i do wonder is is the top uh, that i i I question because the thing is anytime a system is under question the people that are questioning are the people that don't benefit from it Right. Um, and the people that it does work for are usually the people that are, if it works for you, generally speaking, you end up at the top, right? If it right. works for you, the system is to pull your bootstraps, right? Oh, pull my bootstraps. Oh, it worked for me. Cool. Well, we should all pull our bootstraps, right? And they fail to look at anyone that didn't work for who doesn't end up in the place to make a choice. Um, and that's where you start getting, what does, what does, what does a society look like if it changes, if it can yeah. change, if it should change? Um, it's, you it's can a very look- complex thing. It is so complex. You can look at it. I think from the in a in a perspective of how strong and beautiful humanity is, and our willingness mm. and ability to adapt to things. And I think that's that's just true. Like you look at all, all of history, and humans adapt and change and grow, and we evolve. And I think it's. I mean, that's going to continue long after me. And I think, man, just like letting go of my ego, and it's like I am such a speck of dust. I am so not important to the greater fabric of this our society and our world you know yeah. but i can i can uh you know i'm not interested in like at least for me this is just my perspective leaving a legacy so to speak yeah. i'm interested in loving my family and loving my neighbor and if you're in a system that works for you then i think it, it it's so important that you say okay this be that person that says this works for me but i need to recognize that it doesn't work for everybody else and i think that's getting out of that ego jesus you know jesus said love your neighbor as yourself you know don't don't only think about yourself think about how other people are affected by the things that happen in this world you know it's just we need to truly think about other people and not just ourselves but again for me it all comes back to we're all afraid we're all traumatized we're going to be safe and get our piece of life mm-hmm. 
so, you know, so that we can be safe and secure. And that's all that we really want. And so if, for me, I'm like, if we can get universal incomes happening, we get healthcare in places that don't have it. People pulled up out of poverty so that, it's wild. So that they can actually, right there. By right. Default. Because people cannot heal from their trauma because they're working three jobs to put food on the table and mm-hmm. they're just trying to survive. Yeah. And that's no, I mean, that's, that's in like the Western world where there's all, yeah. lots of people who are living in extreme poverty and not in places like that are third world countries where people yeah, live on less than a dollar a day, another, you know, yeah, it's like, absolutely. but we humans, we have enough resources to go around yeah. like we do. And yeah. there's no scarcity. And so like, I'm all for like one world government utopia where, you know, <laughs> where the antichrist comes in and takes yeah, over and makes everything great. Yeah. So it's like, if we can all just work together and love each other and take care of each other, yeah. but it's just, you know, it's that age old thing of like just tribalism where it's like, we got to look out for our own, protect our own. But it's like, I think we'll that's, get there. That's hardwired in us. I think this oh. is the thing that, uh, the, the, the evolution that we're talking about is a very psychological evolution and, mm-hmm. and in turn societal evolution, but our physical evolution is still, we are still living in jungles, looking for people that look slightly different from us so we can keep safe and keep them at a distance. And if they get too close, we're going to run a spear through them because they had a slightly different face paint that meant they were from a different tribe that meant they might hurt me or harm my family or steal some of my food. Or, you know, that's, that's physiologically, yeah. that's who we still are. So I still see someone with a different color skin or I see someone that believes a different religion and I immediately, my brain is going, that doesn't make me feel safe. You are, you're wired for safety, Phil. Be safe. And so the mental process, you know, that, that front cortex is sitting mm-hmm. going, well, Phil, that's not really, that's not how it works. And of course you're safe. And that's fighting a very physiological default um, that maybe in turn will, it will slowly die off. It will start to cease to be. Um, but I don't know what that looks like for that to yeah. cease to be. And until it does, I think we're, we have to be pragmatic and say that's just part of society. It's part of the way we work as humans. And, right. um, and we, we have to become, you have to overcome that, right? In the same way that, okay, it's just part of me that I drink too much because I had a bad upbringing. Well, that's part of me. Yeah. But I'm going to work on overcoming that, whatever that looks like and mm-hmm. give myself grace. It might take me 20 years to get completely sober, but that's okay. 20 years is better than 22 years, right? Like yeah. let's, let's work on it. Um, and I think having that mentality of like, I, I am just a speck of dust in time, right? I mean, how many people can you name that were born in 1822? Right. Nobody, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe you might name a few famous people from that timeline and they might've been born in that year. But like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, nobody in history matters. And yet yeah. in the grand scheme of things, because of that, everybody in history matters. Um, that's, that's why we're here. That's how we are here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having that concept of like, this isn't just Jordan and Phil. This is humanity. Right. This is us moving a, a greater thing forward. It's almost like a consciousness thing again, right? It's not about the, the ego that I call Phil or the ego no. that I'm talking to called Jordan. Um, it's about humanity. It's about this consciousness growing and evolving and becoming more aware of just how amazing we can be and how um, how much that we can represent what that looks like, love and goodness and kindness and grace and yeah, all these amazing qualities, but that's probably on a micro level going to happen in my life, but on a real tangible level that we look at and go, wow, that's going to happen as a society. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to be pragmatic as well and look at that and go, okay, so my part in playing in that probably not massive, but right. 
that makes every part massive in a sense, right? Because mm -hmm. none of us are probably going to be absolutely massive. Maybe an occasional Martin Luther or an occasional person here or there that you really moves the, the world right. forward a bit. But on the whole, it's it, because everyone does a little bit, a little bit, a mm -hmm. little bit. Do that 7 billion times. That's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it gets me excited, man. Yeah, that's why I'm, yeah, again, I, I really think that humanity will get there on that. It's so hard to fathom what it would be, what it could look like. But I think, you know, our brains are, I think we have the ability, this, you know, I don't know, like down the road somewhere, I think humanity will evolve to maybe, maybe actually be uh, like telepathic on a more, uh, a more, more consistent level. Cause you know, we hear things from God, you know, we practice prophecy in that context. I'm like, Oh, I know things. We know things about people. And it's like, mm. we think in our context, at least the Bethel context, it's like, Oh, it's God, God out there is speaking to me or God in me is speaking about you. But it's like, well, what does that look like on a more consistent level? Do we mm. all just practice these prophetic teachings and then we'll all get there? Or is it something that our physiology is actually developing within us where we're actually mm. becoming more conscious to God and to ultimate reality and we are gaining these abilities because yeah. we're evolving you know yeah. and are these practically on a very scientific level are we able to tap into these some of these things right so we're as, as reading about how um you know they, they've managed to teleport um subatomic particles right um they've been able to recognize you can have particles that are connected that are hundreds of miles apart and you can mess with one and it messes with the other yeah and you're like whoa and and so are we gonna as we keep diving into these things and trying to understand and rationalize these deeper truths of reality because to me the spiritual isn't a separate thing no. almost it, it, it's all this everything it, it is, just spiritual, is. Everything um, is spiritual. yeah there you go for one thing we've learned from rob right um but so is there a capacity where we get onto a level where we start to understand these things that we practically can just start tapping into that like i, I was hearing about um the someone had created this um this is really funny but someone had created this um vest that would basically um make different signals in your body and your brain is smart enough that different things that happen to your body like moving your hand it knows oh you moved your index finger this much mm -hmm. or that much and that means this or if it touches things it can go oh that's something sharp or something soft and the same thing of like this vest basically they could have it like send pulses in different parts of the of the chest um, and the brain would start to associate it with different things. And so you could start to basically teach it, oh, when this pulse is this way, it's going to rain. And that was built into like a, a weather mast like uh -huh. locally that says, oh, it's going to rain in a minute. And so you would then start to be able to know it's going to rain in a minute just because you were wearing this vest. Right. Now, what degree do we start tapping into there's just this infinite amount of knowledge that is the internet, that is whatever. Like to what degree do we start bleeding the lines between those things you know yeah. to what degree do we start to understand how to uh know something of someone else but intuitively can, i i just think it's just exciting man i get i get it is it's my crazy brain hurts at like thinking of the different things they, they put an implant in someone um that they couldn't was it, they couldn't smell and so they put an implant in their brain that basically um when they saw certain colors it fired the like the smell sensory really or something like that yeah and so i think they were trying to recreate that they could smell the actual smells but mm -hmm. they, they basically failed miserably but what happened this person suddenly started to smell color 
And so like, he would just like look at red things and he'd be like, whoa. Like, and I think they, they quickly like removed and degraded it because they were like, what the hell? This is probably really bad. <laughs> it's like this guy, like every time he sees bl- black or something, he just puked because it smelled like dog crap or who knows, like, you know. Um, but like, I'm just like, that's the sort of stuff we're messing with. And, and yeah. you know, and then you've got people going, well, I guess playing God and it's dangerous. Right. And, you know, there's, there's probably two sides to every coin as well because I don't want to actually be able to think your thoughts or hear your thoughts, right? Because totally. Then, you don't want me to hear your thoughts either, probably. You know, it says, there's lines here. <laughs> but what if, what if we, yeah, obviously we can't fathom it in this present reality, but what if we get to a place as a society where we develop these things and prior to that, we've become, already become a much more open society. So mm. we're not afraid of people knowing what's going on in our yeah. deepest places, you know, because we've already accepted yeah, ourselves. True. We've accepted so much it. that is linked. Yeah. It's ego like, ego and pain and yeah. But like self, like self is, this is the thing where it's like, for me, the whole like self care, you know, trend. And it's like getting spas or whatever. It's like, that's not self care. It's maybe a part of it, but it's like when you actually take care of yourself, which mm. go the, for me, this goes against my conditioning so much because I have been drilled in my head from a young child to look out for other people um, and not to, you know, to look more, other people are more important than myself. I, yeah. I, I will tell you one thing uh, in just a minute. Don't let me forget. But this, this idea of self-acceptance and just actually loving ourselves. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And I feel like I've really tried hard to love my neighbor. Cause I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do while continually hating myself and it not, not a conscious, not consciously hating myself, yep. but having this deep self-loathing within my being for most of my life, because that's the message that I received as a young child yeah. was that I was worthless, that I wasn't worthy. And so mm. we all just need to accept ourselves. And when you do, um, the world opens up and you realize like all these things that you thought you needed, you don't need, and you can be much less afraid. Um, but like, I want to talk about just my conditioning because this one message that I received just because you might, I don't know, you might laugh. You might think it's crazy. I laugh at it now, but it's it's tragic. Um, I remember Sunday school, there was this chart on the wall and it said the word joy. It was like spelt this way. So it's like, I don't know what you call those things where it's like a word that spells other, you put other words. So it says joy. And then it says, Jesus, others, you. And it's like, as a child, this, I mean, yeah. obviously I know well-meaning people trying to be like, this is the mm-hmm. level of importance. You worship God, you love other people, and then you love yourself. But as a child, you receive this message that I'm the least important. Yeah. And that's the message that I received. And it's, it just sucks because like children don't need to know that shit. Mm. Children need to know that they are more important than not other people, but they are extremely valuable. And they like, need to be their first priority. They need, you need to, yeah. It's like that thing. It's like, I've the, this idea of like, I've betrayed myself constantly over and over again and have had terrible boundaries in my life because I thought I got to do everything I can to love other people and mm. help other people and put my own health on the back burner. My own, you know, my own well being isn't as important. And I would constantly like, I've, and I do it still. I've done it recently where I'm just like, oh, I'll do this for you. And I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and it's actually going to not make me feel good, but it's like, oh, I mm-hmm. gotta, I gotta do this thing for whatever this, because of this conditioning. Um, yeah. so no, I hear you. 
I don't know. That's it's a like really common thing, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's so it is, common. You, 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 yeah. And, and, and I think there's, there's a, there's a, the thing is, there's this kind of like, I think we have to introduce nuance constantly because there's a truth to um, me looking after myself and me bettering myself and me becoming a more healthy person. Part of that is learning to sacrifice my own desires, sacrifice my own ego, mm -hmm. die to myself a bit, and and actually, yeah, lift up someone else and and you know put them on the pedestal. This bit, let's, parenting is one of the best ways of learning this, right? You suddenly learn, oh, actually, I don't care, for, I don't matter for eighteen years. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly entirely, true, right? No, but you, it's you true. You do still have to do self work, and you know, and you're only as good a parent as you are healthy, right? Right. So of course, there's balance again. So it's all nuance, but I think. There is this element. So I think there's probably this thread within Christianity that, that got something of that, that mm -hmm. was like, yeah, no, we, we, you know, we, we don't want to just be selfish. We don't want to just have these like ego-driven, narcissistic, you know, and, and that is definitely a possibility within humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a part of, I don't know if you studied spiral dynamics, but when, when you're I in haven't. stage red, which is like, it's warrior stage. It's like, get what I want. I, I like, you know, my way or the highway, I'll hit you over the head and take that if I need to. You know, it's very... Um, base um primal aggressive yeah. egomaniac and that's generally speaking about the age of your kids right two three that's they, that's how they view the world it's very egocentric it's very you know they'll, they'll whack their brother to take something if they want it like that's how i work um and and that's part of growing and learning because actually you can't become a healthy whole human without kind of going through that to some degree you have right. to learn to oh i'm a me and actually I do have autonomy, autonomy and I want to have my own way. And mm -hmm. so it's a bit of a healthy thing. Like we look at a kid learning to say no is a healthy thing. Right. Freaking annoying, but it's really healthy because they're starting to realize, oh, you want something and I want something. And I have to now communicate my desires and needs. It's a really healthy process, but it gets really unhealthy really quick. Right. And right. so very quickly, the kids learning, oh, actually me constantly demanding my own way and screaming and having tantrums and hitting people basically everyone hates me. Right? Um, as you look at it societally, it might be like, um, it might be Joseph Coney and, you know, Sudan, you know, mm -hmm. like just, I take, I get, I, I'm power. I use force, whatever it is, you know, I'll, I'll enslave kids. I'll mutilate people. I'm going to be powerful and I'm going to be in charge. That works for a, a season, but it very quickly, dictators don't last long. They're usually overthrown by another dictator, right? Mm -hmm. They're always watching over their shoulder. Um, and so there's a thing of when we come out of that stage of, 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 processing internally as, as an individual but also as humanity as a whole when we start moving out of that you find societies want to squash that right and it is a sacrifice the self for everyone else um and that's the stage that most of christianity is in it's in that it's called traditional stage and, and it okay. is like we want safety certainty security um and so you're looking at things of like what does make us as a society safe certain security well here's what makes you safe security there's a guy at the top and they've got police and they've got popes and they've got kings and they've got presidents and they'll tell you how it works because they are installed by God or someone powerful and, um, and you just do what they say. And if in doubt, you know, you lay down your desires for the sake of community, for the sake of the society, for everyone else, right? This is why you go to war. You, you give your life for your nation. You give your life for the greater good. Mm -hmm. and, and there's truth to that that is healthy and it's healthy coming out of that season that is, is teaching you another rounded aspect of what it is to be human but you need to keep moving. Right. And so the next stage is suddenly it's, it's known as a very egotistical stage. It's very, um, 
it's, it's, it's very driven of like, it's me. What can I rationalize? What about my personal development? A lot of self help and self mm-hmm. and personal development comes into that next stage. And so okay. I think it's, 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 we're constantly walking this line of like being an individual person, but being in society. Yep. And I think that's the line we're trying to learn in this journey of coming out of a society, a, a, a grouping in society like church that was just very much like, okay, you matter, but you don't really matter. You know, mm-hmm. just be a part of the, the system and that's right. how we work. And God is the one that matters. And maybe the pastor, Pope, yeah. priest, Bible, whatever authority we have, mm-hmm. but you just do what that says and everything works and it'll be good. And we kind of like it because it makes us feel safe. Right. Right. Exactly. And it makes us feel certain and we know it's going to be right. And I think that's why when it's, it's when we start to question those certainties, it's when the safety falls apart and we're no longer safe. We're no longer certain. We're no longer secure. That's when we start to go, what the hell? You know, we, and then we start flicking to like, actually, what? I've given up a lot of shit here for mm-hmm. not much. Right. Um, but I think it's just part of the process. And I think part of me wonders if this whole thing of church is a coping mechanism, you know, we talk about that. As far as coping mechanisms go, there's much worse ones, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I wonder sometimes if, if we would get where we, where we could get. You know, I look at my time um, within different groupings of Christianity, whether it's very fundamental, conservative, quite fundamental, charismatic, you know, all these different things. I don't know if I'd have got where I am today without them. Right. Um, and so I can look at it and go, oh, it's so unhealthy, this, 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 and this. But I also go, oh, it's actually really healthy for me at the time. Right. Does it move me forward? Um, Have you... that's a, a balance as well in, in place. Totally. And it's like, again, it's just like, it's not having an ego about it, you know? It's like mm-hmm. recognizing like, yeah, I am really, I need to take care of myself and I am really important more so than maybe what I've been told, but I'm also not the center of the universe. Like that's foolish. Have you read Roar's um, Falling Upward? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So like that, that's that in a nutshell, right? The two halves of Mm -hmm. life. Um, When I read that one, I was like, this is everything to me. Cause it's like this, you need this to get to this. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and that's why I'm saying like, if it works and you're in it, just love it and be there and like do everything you can to live the fullest life that you possibly can. But Roar yeah. talks about like that whole idea of the, the structures and systems that we need for our development as humans, as individuals, but also as a society. And then you get to a point where it's like, oh, uh, it's, and again, even the language, it's, it's hard to say it without sounding arrogant. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I transcend, really the need, I transcend the need for this thing, essentially, yeah. you know, and it's like, I don't need that. My journey is taking me to this new place and yeah. I don't need this structure anymore. Yeah. Um, Ken Wilber has this phrase, transcend and include. I know Roar uses yeah, it a lot as yeah. well, but it's this thing of, I'm, yeah, I am transcending, but I, I include, so because there's so much in this structure that was good and there's a lot of it that wasn't. And I think when we first leave and we transcend, we tend to just transcend, right? And then we go, totally. look at these freaking idiots. Right. Because that was me 10 minutes ago. I don't like yeah. acknowledging, right? We, we kind of almost like, we, we almost um, hate it because we feel almost a bit of shame of having been in it and yeah. it, feeling it was wrong or right. But there's an element of like, as we transcend and as we grow and develop, we have to start including and incorporating those parts of our past. Yeah. Um, and it's so, like, yeah, I, I like think in, that's really interesting. It's like including the shadow self, you know, on a personal level. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's it like is. There's, yeah. But that's, really I think that's the thing that goes against the, the idea of perfection that we feel like 
It's like it's just all just a big ugly mess. Like humanity is this big ugly mess. Church is a big ugly. It's like it's like it's all a mess. You know, it's okay and it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but we're growing and evolving, and that's the whole point of it. You know, so I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what the future holds. Um, but yeah, no, I I look at my past and my even as as like I like I said, I, I think being a part of a church saved my life. Like I don't think I would mm. be alive because I was severely depressed and probably would have killed myself. Yeah. So it, it kept me going. It kept yeah. me. It brought you to this place to do this work. Exactly. But, uh, the work you did then was. And uh, that's another part of it too, where I feel like this whole process is like, I didn't, I didn't mean for this to happen. You know, mm. I wasn't trying to like um, rebel, you know, Yeah. or it's like, I've, I've been like, I have, when I was in a youth group, when I was a kid, I was like, I look at the people that I was in youth group with, and they all left the church long before I did. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and, I'm, and I was like, I was committed to it. You know, I was like, I'm not, I'm going to be the one who, you know, stays the course. And, mm. and, you know, I, I did for as long as I did. And then I didn't anymore. <laughs> but that's, yeah. I, 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 again, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm really trying not to be like, it's terrible and nobody should be in church. Like, this is not reality. That's, that's just not true. But I, I, yeah. I, again, I like that transcend and include because I wouldn't be who I am today without a lot yeah. of that stuff. And there Absolutely. was a period of time in my early 20s where it was right before I went to Bethel mm. as I was starting to, we didn't really get into all this because it was like, but I was starting to like not question Christianity or whatever, but like I was drinking more and like doing things that, you know, Christians don't do. And it's like, and people thought that, oh, you're rebelling, you know? And it's like, but I was, again, coping with pain in different ways and finding yeah. different ways to do it. And, and it was like, and then I, my pastors were like, you're being rebellious. And I was like, I just like tucked my, tuck my leg, tucked my twelve tail between my legs, humbled myself. And I was like, I don't know what to do now. I guess I'll go to Bethel. And when I went to Bethel, I was like, I'm going, I'm in it. I'm going to do yeah, everything that, and so like, that's just who I am. And so for me, it was like, oh, I was coming to this place of like, and I don't know if I would have, if I was ready at that point to, mm. to transcend and include, you know, if I was ready to mm. leave the church at that point, I don't think that I was. And so that's the thing where it's like, and I look at people in my life now where I'm like, you really need this. I look at you. I'm like, yeah. you really need this. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. That's, at all. that's a really hard part as well is, is how people see it and perceive it. So like, you know, like you're saying, you know, I didn't choose this. This is just happening. It is, the, you know, no one that has, uh, everyone that has been through this process laughs at the idea that you would choose this because it is freaking awful and it terrifying. Has destroyed and, and it has Absolutely, destroyed my life. It has destroyed relation. It has destroyed relationships. And yeah. I do not, it sucks. I don't mm. want, like, I, I want to be doing it, but it doesn't feel good at all. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, it doesn't feel Absolutely. good. If I wanted to just be, you know, as happy as I could be, even though I was really depressed a lot of the time still, even all my life, it's like, I could just keep doing the things, you know, and keep putting on a happy face and trying to do my best to be a good Christian. But I, yeah. and so like, that's why I feel like I, I feel God's hand, you know, to use a very Christian phrase on my life you know, guiding me and leading me through mm. these things and speaking to me and pulling at me when I, you know, when I would not stray too far, but like, I don't know, there's moments where I'm like very, I feel very strongly the spirit, you know, speaking to me yeah. in certain ways about certain things. And then other moments where other time, most of the time it's just like, I'm just kind of going along, but 
but it's like, I do feel like my life, you know, in this say my life is not my own. Like I am, yeah. maybe I am just God experiencing human life in <laughs> to, to, to use that. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't being know. dragged around kicking and screaming. <laughs> we're all going to, we're all going to be dragged kicking and screaming into the future. Yeah. You know, some of yeah. us are going to kick and scream. Some are going to go more willingly, but yeah, we're all going to well, get there. It's like, me at a, a on a roller coaster and my wife you know i'm gonna like be yelling and screaming and not enjoying it and i hate it every second of it and she's gonna enjoy it because yeah. she's chosen to enjoy roller coasters maybe a little bit of uh yeah that's awesome <laughs> stuff but yeah it's a totally different perspective but that's it as well and you can look at people and go oh you're gonna enjoy the roller coaster yeah oh, I, I let me come and share some stuff with you let me tell you about my journey but there's so many people that you're like oh you don't like roller coasters i'm not gonna take you on to disneyland it's okay yeah. let's not go um like do you know what i mean I'll, I'll go on my own and i'll come back and we'll hang out in a coffee shop where you're comfortable or you know totally. so there's this thing as well of, um that changes a lot though especially when you were used to doing everything together when you had that relationship that was formed about doing everything and, and being connected in that way and suddenly it's like oh it's not safe for you to not safe to maybe the wrong. I mean, safe in a sense of ma- feeling, making you feel yeah. comfortable, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, not challenging things that you hold to be certain. And so suddenly it's like, well, we're not going to get together for a worship night once a week that we're used to, or we're not, I'm not, not going to give you a prophetic word if you want one, because I'm not sure where I'm at with that or, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and so suddenly it's, how do we connect? How do we have relationships? That, that, that whole thing. And again, People don't choose to destroy half their relationships, right? They don't choose to make their relationship with their family or their best friends or their, their, their church community, like that thing of community that we love. And generally speaking, a lot of people really miss because yeah. you don't tend to come out of one and straight into another. Sometimes no. you do. But yeah. generally speaking, it's like, oh crap, I've got nothing. I've gone from this amazing, thriving community to not much of anything. And now I have to start building something again. It's, these are terrifying things. And so, yeah, it's crazy, man. It is crazy. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's really, my pleasure. Really enjoyed catching up, hearing some of your stories, hearing some of your thoughts. If we jumped away from purity culture and didn't get back into that, but we can, yeah, dude. maybe I'll, maybe I'll come back if you'll have me. You, you can come back and we'll have a, another attack, but sucks. <laughs> it'd be good. So yeah, no, it'd be good. Really cool, good. man. Yeah. Great what to ta- see you. Love you, man. Yeah. What time Wait. is it there for you? 10 past five. So. Oh, that's not bad. Coming up to the end of the day. So, Got any yeah. plans? Uh, my wife is working till seven. I think I might go sit in the garden, dude. It is so nice, and that doesn't happen much in the UK. But we've been getting a lot of it. The, the positive side of global warming, right? Again, yeah. talk about privilege. I can sit in my garden. You know, someone's probably drowning in like you know raised sea levels, but you know, their 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 garden's been swept away, and I'll sit in the sun. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, what a- yeah, I'll enjoy that for a couple hours before she uh, finishes Sweet. up. But yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go make some ice cream. Dude, you're living the dream. I mean, it is. I'm sure it's different making it than than the. No, it's all it's, time, awesome. But <laughs> it's awesome. So cool. It's awesome. yeah, it's really good. And I do. Eat, Dude, it, I definitely need to come visit. That would be so cool. You do dairy free, right? Because I'm, I'm not. Oh yeah. Good with dairy. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Man. We do. We do a couple, not as many options, but we'll hook you up. Dude, absolutely. Dude, so if people want to connect with you, is that something that you're cool with? Yeah, I don't have much. Yeah. I don't have much to say or any way to really connect with me. But well, even if they want to say it was awesome and they loved listening or whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, my I I don't really what's do the best way to do that. I don't do social media that much. Um, okay. I do I do Instagram. Okay. Um, 
So it's my name is Le Jordan, L-E-J-O-R-D-A-N on Instagram. I think that's what it is. Perfect. And then yeah, I'm pretty um, sure you're right. I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. If you want to, if you want to drool about uh, uh, pictures of ice cream, you can follow Fa- Fable Ice Cream on Instagram. That's our that's our business. But yeah, I'm I'm not. Uh, it's so funny because I used to always want to be like a preacher, pastor, you know, all those, and like wanted to have this ministry and travel and preach and do what you do. Um, yeah. Write a book or two, you know. Um, I still may write a book. I don't know. We'll see. But um, shit. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, I'm more just like the time of my life now is just like having a family and just running my business and just living as simply as possible. And that sounds good, man. Yeah. That sounds good. So that's the way to do it. Cool. Well, hope you have a good day. You have a good evening in the garden. And it was really nice to see you, man. It's great. It's great to see you. Love you. We should, uh, love you too. We should actually have like a, a proper catch up where we just like, talk about where we get to say all the things that you can't say on podcasts right yeah exactly like uh, let's do it okay (laughs) how many many bite marks are in your tongue you know (laughs) yeah exactly cool man well i'll catch you later yeah sounds good ciao all right that was jordan etheridge i hope you enjoyed that i hope you enjoyed hearing some of his journey through deconstruction um the ups the downs the the excitement the the terror the uh the loneliness the 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 range of emotions that one goes through is is just so broad and it's always really um encouraging to hear different people's stories knowing that we're not alone knowing that other people are going through this and hearing some of the things that have been helpful for them and so i hope that has been helpful for you um if you did enjoy it do shoot him a message go find him on instagram he's uh lee jordan uh l-e-j-o-r-d-a-n um go shoot him a message and let him know how much you love this you can obviously check out his uh his other uh, account fable ice cream his business account if you want to go check out some pictures of ice cream and that's dangerous for me looking at pictures of ice cream that only goes to one place <laughs> um but yeah do shoot him a message and let him know how much you loved it um i'm sure he'd really appreciate that and if you want to um support what we're doing by putting together these resources, putting together these interviews, different things like that. You can head over to the Grace Course and Supporters. Um, there's also hundreds of different videos on there for free on all sorts of different topics. And all the interviews that we do on the podcast are free over there to watch on on, uh, on video as well as on YouTube, obviously. Um, and you can head to the Deconstruction Network as well. If you're going through this process, if you're experiencing the pain and the loneliness that is deconstructing without a community, um, the Deconstruction Network is for you. It's completely free as everything is that I do. Um, you can sign up there. It sticks you on the map. You can find other people on the map. You look around your local area and see if there are people like you um, that are going through deconstruction. Um, and you can just message them and say, what's your story? Who are you? Maybe you can get together and have a coffee. Maybe something beautiful can come from that um, where hopefully some new communities can arise. Um, not in the heart to just start another church or anything like that, but just to connect with people that are going through that same journey. It's, it's gosh, it's it's such a incredible um thing to have after losing community as, as a lot of us have done um just to have a friend to laugh with to cry with to to joke with to talk with um it's 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 priceless it really is um and so yeah do check out the deconstruction network we're also doing lots of research on people that are deconstructing and would love love to have more people um be a part of that research because it, it helps us um, kind of reflect more clearly who deconstructing Christians are, give a more um, data-driven 
um, approach to, to demonstrating who the deconstructing Christians are. It's really important to us that, that we represent um, this group really well. And I think the narrative of deconstructing Christians is largely quite negative. And so we're really keen to change that, to, to show that deconstructing um, people, they're not just what everyone else assumes. You know, there's so many labels that different people will apply, and that's often not at all accurate um, of the vast majority of people. And so we want to put out some good data to show people what is an accurate reflection of this group of people. Um, and so we'd love to have you involved with that as well, the Deconstruction Network. Anyway, that's enough rambling from me. I'll see you uh, later in the week for another episode.